This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to kind of go in order of which one needs to be done first and what needs to be discussed first. But we are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are going to be discussing lots of basketball today. Definitely uh, got a lot of Badgers to talk about because they had uh, two very, very interesting wins in this last week. Uh, Mike's going to be jumping in here in a little bit, our Badger guy. Um, So before we do that, (laughs) I suppose I can uh, introduce Jake, who is sick today. So he's hanging in there. So. Um, it'll be good that we have another person in here talking so jake can catch his breath in between uh in between takes but um definitely want to thank parker johns for sponsoring us we are currently in talks to see if they're going to want to hang around with us for another year but if you're watching go invite people to follow the show we are 46 people away from 4,000 followers so just to throw that out there we just want to be in 4K like like everybody's TV, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was really cheesy. I'm not going to lie. Hey, hey. I'm a dad now. I got to make those kind of jokes. I have to have one a day. One a day? All right. That's the quota. That's the prerequisite. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we before we start with the Badgers, um, we're going to wait for Mike to get in here. Um, I just want to kind of give an update on baseball and what it's going to mean for the Brewers. Um, baseball... And the Players Association did not come to a deal by Monday's deadline. Um, Honestly, Major League Baseball said they made their best offer, which was an offer that was like this much of a smidge closer to what the Players Association was asking for, but it was still Mm -hmm. this far away. So, you know, a pinch in a bucket, it, it, you know, I don't blame the players for not taking it. So what the MLB has done is they've canceled the first two series of Major League Baseball season. What that means for the Brewers, unfortunately, they lose two home series because of this. And the Brewers aren't going to be the only one this happens to. But it is unfortunate that the Brewers are going to lose six home games, uh, three-game series against the Diamondbacks, and a three-game series against the Giants. So, unfortunately, like I said, the Brewers, unfortunately, lose six home games. But as of right now, um, the... The opening day for the Brewers would be April seventh. So, who's I mean, that against? That would be against the Cubs. It would be a four-game series against the Cubs, um, and then it's after that sexy. is a it's yeah, sexy. I'm not gonna lie. Four-game series against the Cubs. It's a three-game series against Baltimore, all on the road, and then they're back in Milwaukee for a four-game series against the Cardinals. So, Oof. that's a tough way to start the season. Just. 
grinding out games right away. Well, I mean, oh. but you know, by the time they're done playing the Cubs and the Orioles, they'll be seven and all. So <laughs> that's true. That's very true. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke to Cubs fans that uh, if they keep canceling games, you guys can avoid losing a hundred this year. <laughs> I, Dude, I, the, I honestly, it would not surprise me if the Pirates finish with a better record than the Cubs this year. Really? That's it, a hot take. That's a hot it would. Take. It's. Dude, the Cubs, they're rebuilding now. Yeah. They're going to be basically a, a glorified AAA team. Yeah, a quadruple A. That's what people used to call the Brewers. I can see that. Um, James says, go Red Sox. Speaking of the Red Sox, the Brewers did make a trade before the lockout, sending Jackie Bradley Jr. back to the Red Sox. They got Hunter Renfro. Um, if a deal is reached... Baseball free agency is going to happen very, 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 very quickly. Yeah. Just, that's, it's going to be insane. Um, I'm thinking this might benefit the Brewers in a way, though. Um, in my mind, I see this, this fast and furious, um, free agency period benefiting the Brewers in the way that guys are going to be looking for, for contracts. And, you know, maybe because of the shorter negotiation period, they don't have as much time to go back and say, this is what they offered me. Similar to what Justin Turner did last year, where it's like, oh, maybe he'll come to the Brewers. Here's the Brewers offer. And then he goes back to the Dodgers and said, hey, this is what they're willing to pay me. Pay me a little more. And obviously the Dodgers are just like, oh, yeah, cash grows on trees. Here's Yeah. Out there Um, it does. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, So with less of that going on, no winter meetings, none of that. Maybe some shorter term, higher uh, money deals. So if I mean, like I wrote an article last week about eight free agents that could potentially succeed at American Family Field. If the Brewers could go and grab, say, Kyle Schwarber on like a one year, twenty five million dollar deal, hey, maybe we'll have a really fun year and play yeah. one hundred and twenty games. <laughs> never know. You never know. Right, really. yeah. right now, they're that's that's what it is though. Right now, they're on pace. For 156 games, opening day for the Brewers would be April 7th. So mm-hmm. that's where we're at. Uh, personally, this is how I feel. I feel like it's just really stupid. Um, and what I heard on ESPN, because I wasn't reading a lot into it, because I'm just, it's annoying watching people with a lot of money argue with people with a lot more money. You know, it when you break it down, it's just really annoying, right? The working man, we go to work every day, break our back. I went to work this whole week sick. Had no sleep because my daughter was sick. That's how I got this cold. And you see all these people arguing over some stupid little nuances, right? But the thing uh, I heard was the owners thought it was close. And the players, you know, like Tyler explained, the players were kind of like, no, we said what we wanted. And you guys, like, literally budged, like, a half an inch. And the players felt like they didn't move, like, at all and adjusted to anything that they wanted. And my whole point is, like, You know, I said this to Tyler, and I'm sure everybody has said this. There's no league without the players. Like, we don't go to the games to watch the owners. We go to the games to watch, you know, Corbin Burns, you know, the Cy Young Award winner. We go to watch Kristen Yelich, like Tyler said. You know, when I was a kid, I used to go to watch Prince Fielder or Ricky Weeks. You know, that's the stuff that we're going to the games for. I mean, obviously, we're going to make memories with our families, but I want to see Prince Fielder hit a home run because I've seen him hit a lot of home runs on TV, you know. So, I mean, it's just really – really just dumb in my opinion and it something needs to happen with these billionaire people just thinking they could push everybody around that's that's the really that's the really annoying thing is that you know, i've read stuff that 
the owners know exactly how many games they need to have played in order to still turn a profit. Mm. So whether that's a hundred games or, well, it'll be, you cut it in half, it's 81. So 81 Mm -hmm. home games. So say the owners know that it's 60 games that they need to be played at home to still turn a profit. What do they care about the first month of the season? If it means that they don't have to give up anything else in the discussions. Yeah. All the people that bought the 20 game ticket packages or the people that are going to bring their, you know, they, they took vacation. They're going to bring their son to this, his first ball game. Like that stuff doesn't mean anything to them. Really? They, still... they don't see fans as individuals. No. Um, I don't necessarily it's, think the players do any more, but the owners definitely see fans as attendance and, you know, basically just dollars and revenue yeah. as opposed to, see, you know, thinking about the individual fan. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in a bigger market and you just know that the people are there just because you're a big city. Yeah. New York's, L.A.'s, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Chicago. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we're going to bring Mike in, and we are going to start talking about basketball. Yeah, something fun. How we doing? Oh, Mike's still amped up from the game. Listen to this guy. (laughs) Man, I could not sleep last night. I tell you what, I was watching clips probably till about 12, 31 o'clock. My goodness. I slept like a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Once I fell asleep, yeah, I was out. All right. So I know we're excited to talk about the Purdue game, but we are going to start with the <coughs> Rutgers game. We're going to talk about that one first. Um, still going to be a fun one to talk about because the teams that the um, that the Badgers have been beaten by, which would be Ohio State, Michigan State, Illinois in the conference, um, and Rutgers, um, the Badgers played three of them again. They beat Ohio State the second time. They beat Michigan State the second time. And now they had a rematch against Rutgers and they won that one again. Um, so they still haven't been beaten by the same team twice. They've avoided having, you know, this team has our number. So I was happy to see that with the Rutgers game. But um, what were you guys seeing from the Rutgers game? Mike, I'll let you start since Jake is under the weather today. Okay. Yeah, hey, hey, you're the expert. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, no. Um, it was pretty much exactly what I expected when playing at Rutgers. Essentially, um, I knew this was not going to be a blow up by any means if we were going to win uh, going into this hostile, a very, very hostile environment. I think there's only like it's a, it's weird. There's only like 7000 people I think that can fit in this place. But I mean, when, you know, 7000 people are, are screaming and there's not there's a, that whole there's a lot of echoing and all that. Like it's it's just a pain in the, in the ass to play it. And that's what every <laughs> team in Big Ten says. So. Um, yeah, no, this is basically what I expected in terms of, like, outcome if we were going to win this game. Um, Rutgers is a great team. We, I think we still see them in the NCAA tournament. I mean, freaking Geo Baker, man, he's been giving us problems for ever since he's put on a Rutgers uniform. He had a, he had a hell of a game against us this time around. Um, and then Ron Harper Jr. is definitely nobody uh, yeah. to – look past because I think he's going, he might be going to the M to the league next year, or he'll be coming close to that. So I know he's been getting NBA looks uh, to my understanding anyway. So um, as far as, you know, us go, as as far as we go, um, it was amazing. Like Tyler wall, he played 
really, really tough, but also there were many, there were many times during this game where he turned over the ball too. And he like ruined a couple, you know, possessions for us a little bit. So like he, his effort was really, really good, but he was also a little bit out of control too. But I think that was just a testament to, um, you know, we were given guys like Ben Carlson a chance in this game specifically, and he just could not produce at all. And guard was not, you could tell guard was not having anything of it in this game. So Mm. I think we just gave wall like, a few extra minutes just because, you know, there's just not much production coming from that. Um, you know, another positive sign that I got from this was that we finally got this game. We finally got Brad Davison shooting the ball. Okay. Again. Um, you know, I think what was it? He hit four, four threes this game. So he hit some big shots for us. Um, you know, this is just being more repetitive too, as of late. And I, I think, and I could be wrong on this stat, because Chucky might have come close, but I think at least every starter for at least on, on the Badgers for at least one game has been the leading scorer in a game this year. That's Chucky might be close, maybe not, but everybody else I believe has been the leading scorer for at least one game this year. I'm pretty sure. Um, I was just looking at that right before we got on That's, here. Because that sounds Steven right. Stephen Crawl got the Minnesota game. Just had Minnesota, year. yeah. Tyler Wall's definitely be a better leading scorer. JD has. Brad Davison, I believe, has. The Indiana game might have proved that. But, um, or Nebraska, because he seems to always kill Nebraska. Correct. So uh, this is just a testament to, you know, how far the, this team has come in terms of, you know, who we can rely upon to get a bucket. Because if you would have asked, if we're having this conversation two, three months ago, we don't really know. We don't know how good Tyler Wall has, has been in the post, which – me and he can dominate in the post. I mean, shooting over seven foot four guys for Christ's sakes. But um, no, this is just another gutty victory by us at the end of the day. Um, I gave a, a, the MVP personally to Brad on this one. I would have gave it to Chucky. He hit some big shots for us. He also turned over the ball three or four times as well this game. That's just why I didn't give him the nod. Uh, but nevertheless, he also had a big, big game here too. So. Um, I'll let you guys uh, give your thoughts then from here. Tyler, go ahead. All right, so Tyler Wall actually opened this game up with a three, which is weird. doesn't happen very often, but um, <laughs> I think he's up to what, six three-point makes on the season. Um, yep, after last night. Yep. Um, but, you know, pretty much just Tyler Wall, Brad Davis, and Johnny Davis, Chucky Hepburn setting the tone early. Um, Badgers had a lead as big as 11 in the first half. Um like Mike said, it was good to see Brad Davison getting back in it. Um, it took the Badgers until the four-minute mark in the first half to get to the free-throw line. Yeah. That was something that was better in the Purdue game. But for a team that is predicated on fundamentals, not turning the ball over, making your free-throws, playing disciplined defense, taking 16 minutes to get to the free-throw line, especially when all eyes are on Johnny Davis um, and he's going to get a lot of extra attention, go get to the free-throw line. That's the easiest way to jumpstart your scoring and see the ball go through is either layups or free throws. So go get to the free throw line. And when they did, it was Ben Carlson, um, which this <laughs> this starts off two possessions in a row of Rutgers complaining about fouls because this one, Carlson goes up, he gets like hammered like on the wrist and like pulled down and the dude's like acting like he had all ball. It's like you had a lot of wrist. Um, <laughs> but right after that that number four like like he's he's got some he's got fight in him 
But I feel like I feel about him the way that like a Nebraska would feel about Brad Davison. Like it's just like yeah. fuck that guy. Yeah. Drives down, Mulcahy. drives to the paint. Yeah, Mulcahy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he gets a full extension into Brad Davison, gets called for an offensive foul, and he's like Yeah, that was I, bad. I, that dude spent the entire game whining to the refs. Like the entire game. It's like, dude, before the first matchup with the Badgers, you dropped 31 the night before. You don't have to whine to the refs. You are good enough to impose your will on a game. He had had the matchup on Brad. He could clearly take him, like, to the hole, like, in the post. Like, if he got it within, like, the free throw line and it's one-on-one versus Brad, he's got the advantage. Like He was hitting that that post. That was clear as day. If I was Rutgers, I would have gone to that more personally. But, um, you know. It is what it is. No, I'll tell you what I would have done if I was Rutgers. I would have used Geo Baker as the ball handler and had Ron Ron Harper Jr. as the the screener, because Geo Baker was making every tough shot in this game. He was balling. That's I'm exactly so glad he's second half this year. That's that's exactly. I'm how so happy he's like, gone. Like Mike mentioned, the effort by Tyler Wall playing really hard on defense. He got switched onto some guards. Just guys yep. making really tough shots, and the crowd got back into it. That's yep. that's where it started to get a little a little chippy and um Ugh. Rutgers cut the lead to three and then they drew an offensive foul. Um Davison, Brad Davison needs credit for drawing a charge on a two on one. Um he's that just was a beautiful he, play. He stood right on top of the restricted circle. He waited, he knew the guy was gonna drop off the pass, but he just waited for him to come right into him and take the charge. So that is a a veteran move by the 35-year-old, I mean 25-year-old Brad Davison. <laughs> I mean, I thought Jordan Davis did a pretty good job last night, but they didn't he want did. to call a freaking yeah, charge to save Yeah, yeah I'm, bringing, I'm bringing that up. I'm bringing okay. that up because right, – we'll oh save that God. for you. Oh. Um, Stephen Crowell hits another timely bucket. I don't know if he just – aside from the Minnesota game, if he just doesn't score buckets that are at the perfect time every time he scores. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, Tied the game at 42. Um, And then Johnny Davis. Jake mentioned just like maybe two weeks ago, um, the body control of Johnny Davis. That's something you can't teach. It's it's an athleticism thing. And Johnny Davis gets up into the body of a center and switches to the left hand to put a layup in. Two more stops, and then he hits a three, pushes the lead back up. what I want to see is more off the ball movement. I know this is something that hasn't really been a, a forte of the Badgers. Um, the Badgers run a lot of dribble handoff and then some pick and roll. The other three guys that aren't touching the ball just got to move around a little bit, set screens for each other, cut to the basket, just move around a little more. Um, and then you got to make free throws. Got to make free throws. When Jake and I talk about the Bucks later, we're going to talk about free throws, and you got to make your free throws. I don't want to because it's going to hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> we lost. Well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, free throws. Uh, and turnovers, but we'll get there. I'm pretty pissed off about yeah. that. But... Yeah, I'm a little salty about that too. Everybody's um, beating the Nets except the Bucks, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> right. Seriously. Hey, meanwhile, the 76ers are bragging about beating the Timberwolves and the Hawks and the hey, the Timberwolves. Hey, you can brag this year about beating the Timberwolves. You can brag yeah. this year. They're, they're what, pretty three good. Games over 500. They're, Anyways, they're in the playoffs. Then after that, Stephen Crowell hits another 
timely three-pointer. Just, you know, like he does after Rutgers grabbed the lead. Stephen Crowell hits another three. This was number five. That's Baker, right? Baker's number five? Yeah, I believe Pretty, so. Um, yes. slaps, Tyler Wall goes up for a dunk. He slaps the hell out of Tyler Wall's arm. And then he's complaining. Like, like Rutgers spent so much time complaining in this game. It was like, dude, how did you not notice that you slapped the shit out of him? Like, whatever. Um, and you know that home crowd just going to be on that player's side, too, because they're just going to boo that right like the shit out of, us out of the stadium and mm-hmm. then you got Bo Borowski like doing his thing on Brad da- Davison that later on that game on the second mm-hmm. half too but uh, I will get it I won't get into that I just have I just don't like that guy I know, number five is Andre Hyatt he's oh, okay. a backup big okay. uh, Baker's number zero by the way Baker's number zero. Oh. all right all right so then after that more Johnny Davis <laughs> and then was this was, I think it was number four again. It was Mulcahy again. Brad Davison is standing like right on the restricted circle waiting for a rebound. Number four comes barreling into him and knocks him down, yeah. and Brad Davison gets the foul. That's exactly what I, I was ta- I was talking about. That was Bo Borowski who made that. What the hell is that? Like Brad Davison ball. has position. How does Brad Davison get that foul? It's absolutely baffling. It happened a couple times last night where it was like some tangle-ups, but – Whatever. Um, then, late in the shot clock, Chucky Hepburn hits a deep three-pointer. And we, I'm going to I'm gonna elaborate on Chucky's three-point shooting a little bit later when we get into another segment. But um, then after that, um, Tyler Wall had one of those turnovers that Mike mentioned. The next play, they get a stop and a jump ball. So right, it was right after that. It was like bang, bang plays. Tyler Wall got a bad turnover. Then right away, the next play, um, he gets up in the guy's face on defense. Guy kind of coughs the ball up. Tyler Wall is the first one on the floor, and they get a jump ball. Um, Coming out of a timeout, Greg Gard draws up a beautiful play to get a score. And then Johnny Davis making his free throws when they count. And then after that, it was basically swarming defense going to be a theme when we talk about last night's game swarming defense on the last play of the game forced Rutgers into a very deep contested three-pointer as it reminded me of the the Penn State game where they were just kind of discombobulated and they were forced to taking a really deep contested three-pointer um I'll let uh, I'll let Jake throw out some of the totals and then we'll we'll talk about Purdue well I didn't want to be a totals guy this week uh, but I just wanted to point out some some stuff that I noticed. Uh, Chucky Hepburn, I know people are really amazed with his ability to shoot now because that's really been amazing, but his ability to control the pace of the game and be a playmaker on the floor and kind of just slow everything down for everything everybody um, is it, it unmatched, man. He really has become a floor general a floor and really general. grown into that, man. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to watch. The, the Badgers' offensive potential – Went from, say you're, you're grading it out of 10, right? Before the yeah. season, I would have been like, eh, maybe a 5. Now I, I see it as an 8-9. You know, they, this offense yeah. can go anywhere, honestly. Yeah. Jake and, and I were talking about Chucky Hepburn a little bit last night. And yeah. I drew a picture on my phone and I sent it to Jake. I'm like, this is Chucky Hepburn season. It's like. Yeah, dude, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's insane. And he still is that bulldog on defense, man. He'll get in mm-hmm. your face. 
I got to say, last night, that play where Brad Davison went down and just stole the ball from from the big man down low and started celebrating with the crowd. I was like, oh, that got me yeah. off the couch, baby, <laughs> already. That yeah, was awesome. Big Cat was into it, too. Yeah, there was a clip of, like, once that happened, they put the camera on Big Cat, and he was just eating Bro, that all up, man. How amazing is that going to be for recruiting if we can get a guy, like, famous like that, you know, just to come to basketball him in the booster. Games. Make him a booster. And a lot of stuff will get solved, I bet. I, I'm telling yeah. you, make him a booster for the program. A lot more Johnny Davis is coming our way, I think. Dude, <laughs> you ain't lying. I'm just – hey, I only speak facts, baby. Yeah. Um, but Brad Davison, uh, I agree with Mike. I think he was the player of this game. He just does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. And it helps that he did shoot better this game. But his communication on defense, he's always leading the huddles. I mean, he just does all the lead. He has all the leadership qualities that you want in the leader of your team. And I think that doesn't need to go unnoticed. You know, he's just, he's a great player. I love Brad Davis. And honestly, before the season, I wanted to say this. Um, I was a little wishy-washy about him coming back this year. I was kind of like, I don't know. I had a bad taste in my mouth after last season because they were the big 10 champs. And then last year it was just, it was a flop, you know, and it didn't, it didn't work out. And then all the off season stuff, but Brad Davison's ability to just lead this team is really, really something special. And obviously, we're the Big Ten champs again, so that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, Johnny Davis, he's the man. I don't know. This was just a really, really hard-fought win. A, for a while there, I was just like, man, I would not be shocked if Rutgers beats us. And Rutgers was favored yeah. going into this game. So Rutgers is a good team. They will be in the uh, in the NCAA tourney. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but the updated seeding, they have the Badgers as a two seed now after last night. Yeah. If if I were going to guess at what the rankings are going to turn out to be, I would just see Purdue and Wisconsin flip-flopping. Yeah. That's, I was going to seven after, after last night, I was going to guess we'd probably be number eight in the country. Right. Uh, now. Kansas has lost two in a row as well. Yeah. We might jump Kansas. Yeah. We could, if we win the big 10 outright, on Sunday, that'll I think they, they straight up might go into the top five. I'm not yeah. even joking. Yeah. I'm not trying I mean, to sound Purdue like a homer. Spent half the season in the top four, even after losing to Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. If we and, win Sunday, win it outright, that slingshots us for sure. Two's. I think we have a two seed locked. I, I agree, two seed. Yeah. And if and we'll if see they, how we do in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. But, um, Imagine if they win both. There's no way they keep us off the one line. There's no way if they win both. If they if they run through the Big Ten tournament, in my opinion, to be a one seed, they have to beat Illinois yes. some, at some point in the Big Ten tournament to be in consideration for a one seed. That's I fair on because that. then they would have beat everybody who they lost to. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's again that goes. That's why I keep bringing up the, you know, they haven't lost any of the teams that they previously lost to, so. In my opinion, if they want a one seed, they will have to beat Illinois at some point in the Big Ten tournament and yeah. win it. Um, if they were to lose to, say, Illinois or anybody else in the Big Ten tournament, as long as it's not like a Minnesota or Nebraska or something right, like that, um, yeah. that, then I think they're pretty much locked in as a two seed. Um, if they get somehow upset in the Big Ten tournament, like if they lose their opening game or something like that, to, like I said, to say Minnesota or Nebraska – Mm-hmm. Then I could see maybe sliding back into that three seed, but um, Badgers have a, have beat a lot of ranked teams this year. <laughs> well, think we beat St. Mary's, who just beat Gonzaga before Handily. we beat Houston. We yeah. lost to Providence, Providence by like what five points, six points, and Johnny and they, Davis didn't even play that game. And they we would have the steamrolled East. them. I want to make Steve clear on that. 
That would have been a steam. We would have steamrolled Providence if Johnny Davis plays. We would have killed them. We would have absolutely killed them. So, and they, and they're a top ten team right now. They're ranked yeah. one. They, oh wait, are they ranked above us? Providence is number oh, nine. Providence. I thought I saw Providence was out of the. It's place. like neck and neck. It's close. It's like nine, ten. Maybe. I think they were. They're either number nine or number eleven. They're either one below us or one above okay. us. But I have a question for you guys before we talk about Purdue because I saw a tweet last night and it got me excited. Yeah. Um, I saw a tweet and it said Wisconsin is Final Four good. Do you guys agree with? That? I saw that. I I did see that. Yes, but it's gonna come. To, it'll it'll come down to it'll come down to matchups too. Um. I still think our weakness for the most part, if we get a skilled big man who can, you know, drop like a coach similar to, to a Kofi or somebody who's just used to dropping, you know, 25 and 10 a game. Um, I think that's still our general weak spot. And so I, I think it just comes down to weak. Uh, to like for me personally, I think we match, we can match up with a team like a Gonzaga, for example. I would love to see personally, who would not want to see Tyler Wall versus Drew Timmy? I think that would be a sick matchup. That's, I just think of that and I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, what talk I mean? about throwback. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> talk about throwback. That would be awesome to watch. And then two Chad dudes is are going to have twelve and ten. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm not afraid of any team that would be put in front of us. There's just doesn't this year just doesn't seem like there's like the one clear cut fair to my view, which is awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be a sick the thing tournament. The chat is that it somehow it or not, I shouldn't say somehow, but it, it's it sort of benefits the Badgers that he's not overly strong. Yeah, because then Crowell can kind of hold his ground yeah. a little bit. It seems when Crowell deals with guys who are stronger than him, that's when he kind of gets pushed Correct. back, and then it's like, all right, we got to bring in Chris Vogt a little bit here. That's why um, I think it won't be like the worst. I mean, Chet can shoot the three from time to right. time. And if we have to give that up, you know. We'll give up a few threes yeah. to him, but I think like inside, like I think we can match up with that person. Well, yeah. the, th- the the thing about you know Crowell guarding Chet on a three point line is Crowell's not really a rim protector, anyways. Yeah, the guy mm-hmm. who's more of a rim protector is Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall, be yeah. he's the one yep. that gets the blocks. Even Johnny Davis gets more blocks than than you know Crowell Steven does. Crowell, but yeah. that would that would be a very interesting matchup. I, that would that would be a good. That's game. what I'm hoping for. Oh, I would love to play Gonzaga. Dude, there's man, there's so many like exciting teams. Like I watch some Texas games for some reason when I'm bored. Texas is kind of exciting. Arizona, I watched a lot of their game last night. Whoa, they can get up and down the damn floor. Yep. Texas Tech is freaking Texas good. Texas Tech, I was just gonna say. I that. mean, there's a like lot of Baylor. Good teams. I would throw Baylor I mean, in there. Auburn is really Auburn. good too. Auburn's Dude. got a couple studs. But last night, Purdue Ivy, that guy is gonna be a very good NBA player. He is so quick. Holy camoli. He hey, he Johnny see a few times, man. Dude, Especially when he was the goal, he just go. You yeah. know when they talk about guys that have that second gear, right? Yeah. He's running up the floor. You're like, all right, he's pretty fast. I'll say, boom. You're like, oh, my God. This guy is built like a supercar. It's insane. Yep. He's, Did you see who Chucky Day or Chucky? I almost said Chucky Davis. Chucky Hepburn hit his game winner over. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. On Ivy. He hit it hey, on you know Ivy. why he didn't see it? Because it was a step back, baby. That's why he didn't yeah. see it. <laughs> That's a little basketball analogy right there. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Badgers and Purdue. Oh, I got so much to say. Mikey, you can start us off. <laughs> you want me to? All right, all right. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Jake said he's got a lot to say, so whatever you say. I'll Nick, say, we'll okay, I'll go with, like, the not too uh, – I'll make a couple points that were, like, maybe not 
too obvious that not everyone like thinks about. So I will go off the but the bat and say I honestly think this was the best game by our bench this entire season last night. I think you you take with the exception of Chris Boat's one bad turnover that he had that killed like that 7-0 run that that we had four rebounds. Three of those rebounds led to three-pointer, second chance three-pointers for the Badgers. That was huge. Let me see. Jacoby Neath, 16 minutes, three points, four rebounds. He was part of that 10-0 run that like got us up. I believe it was eight or ten points with like four minutes to go in the first half. Mind you, this was also without Johnny Davis. This was also without Brad Davison at the time. I don't know how we did it. I still don't know how we did it today. But and then Ben Carl Ben Carlson too. I mean, he played only seven, eight minutes, but you know, he got three but he got three rebounds for us, two points. Like collectively, looking on that stat sheet, this was clearly the best game by our bench all year, and I don't think it's even close. Um, that was the one thing that, you know, really stood stood out to me personally when just looking back at it. Um you know, and the one major, major point, actually, I want to call out our bigs. I, I don't know if I told you guys this before the game. I was talking to my dad, told my buddies this. As long as the Badgers, as long as our bigs stay out of foul trouble in this game, we can play really well or we can play, you know, like crap. We're going to be in this till the end. As long as our bigs stay out of foul trouble, and they did, and that's kudos to, um, you know, Steve Crowell and, you know, Chris Vogt. That was, you know, that kept us in the game all night. And the fact that we were able to get Edie in foul trouble at a couple points during that game, that also helped us out quite a bit. Yeah. That was, you know, that was such a crucial part of that game, I thought, because we always were able to have somewhat of a big man presence, like, constantly. Whereas in this first, in the first meeting, like, we scraped by barely because we had, like, four dudes that had, like, four fouls with, like, a few minutes to go in that game. And we had didn't, Ben Carlson uh, and eighty a few possessions. So didn't Crowell and Vote both fall out in the first matchup, or was that the Rutgers game? The first matchup I against think Rutgers. Vogt did, I think Vote did end up falling out against Purdue the first time. Now that you mentioned that, if I memory serves me correct, memory serves me right. But um, yeah, the point being, we had a constant big on the court at all times during this game, and that really, you know, helped us. I think you know get us over the top. Um, you know what else? Yeah. That, there, there is a lot here. I mean, Chucky Hepburn, you know, just growing up between like game or two game months. Game. Like, <laughs> Dude, two, he gets better months. every like, week. That stock, like, like it's mm-hmm. going like that now. It's crazy. He he can be a go-to scorer for us if we need a bucket now. Like I will give him the green light at yeah. this point. Like he's he's earned that. Um Basically, all these guys in the starting lineup have earned that, actually, in my opinion. I have no problem. Somebody's got a good look at this yeah. point. I'm still – I know Tyler Wall hit a three for us last night again. Still a little hesitant on him shooting that three ball, but for the most part, I got no no problem with any of these dudes in the starting lineup, you know, taking that shot for us if they need to do it. So, um, you know, that was a big <laughs> – Call out. Um, you know, we got yeah, Edie getting him in foul trouble a few times. Ivy, that dude's a freaking stud. Um, you know, but the one you know thing that killed Purdue, Ivy shot three of nine from the free throw line. Like that that absolutely killed them. And I believe they missed eight or nine free throws for for the game. Um, 
so just look, I think they're 11 of 20 or something like that. Actually, yep. I can look they that were. up. But, um, that absolutely killed Purdue. Um, but yeah, Ivy, like you said, Jake, he's an absolute stud. Uh, he took Johnny to the cleaners a few times on that. Uh, <sighs> I, even Johnny at the was end, trying, like, man. Was pulling but... up, even when he was pulling up for that that three pointer, like I think Johnny was anticipating him to drive when he just got like caught on ice skates and Ivy just pulled up and just banged it right in his face. But yeah, he's um, a stud. I think Purdue. This was such a good win for for the program. We're gonna talk. I'll, I'll you know mention how big it is for the program after we're done talking about this, but um, yeah, I think that was for the major callouts. I mean, Tyler wall, he had five steals last night. Yeah, five he did steal. Yes, he did guy was an animal, 19 points, five steals, two boards, two assists, two blocks, he shooting over seven foot four people. Like we get, we can talk about like the like game situations, you know, I'll let you guys speak your thoughts about this, but um I thought I was telling you guys in the chat as well. Like we, every time he goes out of the game, we should get the ball into the post because if we have guys like wall and Crowell in that game, I will take that advantage over Travion Williams and whoever else is playing in there. If they kept putting a freshman on Tyler wall and every time they did, he went and scored Yeah, like, like Chucky and Brad Davison and Johnny Davis were scoring in the first half, but Tyler wall was scoring everywhere in between. Yeah. Exactly. He had a really nice assist to vote too when that yes, freshman was on him because the overhelp, he just bounced it right over. Vote with a nice layup. I have, you know, I have it in my notes to talk about that because we know that Tyler Wall is a back to the basket post up guy. He doesn't get enough credit. Like he actually can handle the ball. Like he mm-hmm. act, he dribbles around the court. Like he brings the ball up once in a while, not as a point guard, but just to get the ball across half court. But you know, he he's really good at driving to try to get to his spot on the block and if he's you know if the shot's not there he's comfortable with a pullback dribble he can dribble behind his back and kind of reset the offense he doesn't have to force something up just because his dribble's gone um so i wanted to point out that tyler wall just because he does his scoring like this you know mike mentioned the 19 points that he doesn't get a lot of credit for his ball handling and his passing ability um, I know Jake's talked about his passing a little bit here and there during the season, but overall, I just don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, to Mike's point about the bench helping out, um, looking at just the first half on its own, even the Badgers had 19 rebounds at halftime. Nine of them were by the bench mm-hmm. at halftime. Four of them were by vote and three of his four rebounds were offensive. And the Badgers at eight second chance points in the first half. That's, you know, it's stuff that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet and, you know, blow you away. But when you're taking a a small lead into halftime, a five point lead into halftime, and you have 33 points scored, and then you say, hey, 25% of those points were on second chance points. Mm -hmm. You got to kind of break it down, but it's there and and the effects of it are, are felt. Um, Thankfully, what wasn't felt the effects of were three missed calls all in the first half. Yeah. Two blocks that should have been called charges and a second game now where the Badgers have gotten shafted on a goaltend. That was how, bad. That goaltend was oh bad. I don't know God, how they missed came, that, honestly. I don't know how they missed the one in the last game either. Like, Chucky yeah. put the ball on yeah. the backboard. I forgot like, to bring like, that up. How do you not – how do you miss that? Like two games in a row, the Badgers have gotten shafted on the goaltend. And then 
Jake said this last night that I, that he didn't think that they wanted to call the second um, charge for Jordan Davis because it was Jaden Ivy. I really think they wanted Ivy versus jo- uh, Johnny in the in the late in the second. They did. I know they did. I it's just like the was- NBA, dude. I thought that the Jordan Davis charge specifically, I thought that could not be more of a pitcher-perfect example of how to take a charge. That was perfect, honestly. Dude, dude, the the other Brad one, Davis was waiting for 30 years. Dude, he was camped out. He had a campfire. <laughs> you could have called yeah. him three seconds he in the key, bro. The log cabin in the background, and he was standing there waiting for him. Like, Man. oh, that one irritated me. It's like, dude, he yeah. was waiting there for like 18 seconds. That was completely obvious i didn't even have to think usually most of the charges that i don't mean that brad takes or like anybody else on the team like i second guess myself sometimes when i watch the replays and stuff but those two last night and i'm just really just thinking about the jordan davis one for me personally off the top of my head like that was clear cut a charge that is the definite example he was right outside the arc he was there a good second before Jaden Ivy even got a lick on him. Like that wasn't even close, like to being a block call. That was a pitcher perfect example of a charge. I, I was so irate after I, I saw that man. I wanted to. I almost lost it. But so it yeah, bad. Twice the Badgers went down in this first half, and both times when it happened, they went down nineteen to sixteen, and they went down twenty five to twenty three. Uh, both times the Badgers. They re they re-upped, they dug back in on defense, and they were started swarming around, contesting shots. Um and you know, playing the, the Badgers signature style of defense of defending hard without fouling. And both times they made runs. The second time when they were down 25-23, they made the 10-0 run that took them um to 33 with the, was their halftime score. Um Brad, I was gonna bring that up, the restricted area. That's that's a every level thing. Um, once you get to college, it's the restricted area is the area under the basket. That's unfortunately it's a thing. I don't um, know if he Chucky, was set though, to be honest. He either way, got the, he got there either a little way, late, in my opinion. I'm, I think the I'm first just gonna one. Be honest. I think the first one he was okay. The second one, either he got way, there a little late. Um, either way, <laughs> it's the restricted area. That's it's not going away, and it's not a new thing. Um, it's new to Chucky because he's a freshman, but. You know, that's something maybe that's something he can kind of learn. Um, that could be a goal for him to learn next year is to mm-hmm. um, just kind of understand the the nature of NCAA officiating, which in my opinion has too many whistles, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I was going to ask you guys that later, so I'll get back to that. But um, game got tied at the 848 mark. For a fundamental program, the amount of times that they gave up offensive rebounds last night by not boxing out. Oh man, that was frustrating. I didn't look what the, what Purdue's final second chance points number was, but you got to box out and finish possessions. Holding teams to one and done, especially in college is the easiest way to take the wind out of anybody's sails. It's not going to matter in March when the games are all in neutral sites, but um, when you're playing, a road game, for example, getting teams to one and done, like I said, it just takes the wind out of their sails. You're not giving up second chance points. When you give up those second chance points and those offensive rebounds, all you're doing is just saying, here, here's the momentum. There you go. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so gotta finish possessions. <laughs> Steven Kroll again. Does does he does he score when it doesn't matter? Like not that it doesn't matter ever, but like does he only score at the most pivotal times? It really feels that way. Man. I'm yeah. gonna pose a question to you guys after we're done talking about this game, but Stephen Crowell, he he knows when to make a timely bucket. That's that's just what he does, apparently. Um the first of two bank shots. Johnny uh-huh. Davis. I I don't understand how he didn't get a foul called on that one either because he got hit on the arm as he was going up. That mm-hmm. should have been a foul, and it should have been an and one is what it should have been. Um, but welcome to March. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and the last chunk of that game, Johnny Davis banking that shot in, Jaden Ivey running up and hitting a, a three-pointer, you know, four feet behind the line. And I really, really, I wanted to say this, and I want to emphasize it. Greg Gard deserves a heap of praise on his coach of the year profile for not calling a timeout yes. after Purdue scored. I was going to make that a point as well. On, because on if you call the timeout there, all you're doing is giving Purdue an opportunity to set their defense. By yeah. not calling a timeout yes. there, Chucky Hepburn ran up, and you can see it like right after Ivy hits the hits this three that Ivy's they're they're focused on Ivy because he just made the shot. And everybody's like doing this, like pushing each other's shoulders, trying Scramble to figure out more. where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chucky goes up, he gets a step back. Ivy's kind of off balance, and Chucky hits the bank shot for the win. Um, so I'm very proud of Greg Gard for not calling a timeout there to let Purdue set their defense. So I really, really wanted to make that a point of emphasis. Um, that I'm really glad that Greg Gard did not call a timeout there. Yeah. Um Jake. What do you want to say about this game? Well, first of all, can you guys see that? Yes. You know what that says? I know we were about to. Yeah, I did. I did see that. That was <laughs> wild. Yeah, that's the tweet. Uh, that's the quote from Hepburn after his shot. Um, also, uh, Tyler was just recapping the end of the game, right? And you have Johnny Davis making a big-time shot, and then you have Ivy making a big-time shot. That is exactly why they didn't call that freaking charge. <laughs> okay, they wanted that. That was great TV, man. It feels yeah. great because we're on the winning side of it. But for right. Purdue, they're kind of like, ah, screw this. But we kind of feel like we got hosed because if they lose Ivy at that point, we are going to wash them off the floor. It is not yeah. going to be close. They didn't stand a chance without Ivy, okay? Um, so when I'm watching Purdue, uh, it kind of gave me a throwback to last year and another Big Ten team that kind of whooped our butt a little bit last year in Illinois. They had a dominant point guard. They had a big, gigantic big man who's still there. And it's just a lot to deal with, right? Now you go to Purdue. They got a big, giant 7-4 guy who doesn't even have to jump off the floor to dunk it. I thought he was literally going to rip the freaking backboard off a couple times. I'm yeah. like, holy camoly, this guy is ginormous, dude. Humans are not supposed to be made that big. <laughs> and then you've got Ivy running all over the place. They're a tough team to defend, man. Um, so you brought up you brought up Chucky's quote. Did you see Johnny Davis's quote? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Davis said about Chucky Hepburn's shot. He's like, I'm not gonna lie, that was some bullshit, but it went in. That Better pro, hilarious. Ivy or Davis? What a so question! A... I I haven't honestly. This answer is easy in my opinion for one reason. <clears throat> What's that? For me, it's George, it's Johnny Davis strictly because he's a two way player. Um, they're both great 
offensively, but for me, Johnny Davis is a far superior defender, not to mention how good of a rebounder he is at guard. So for me, those two things sway it to Johnny Davis. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I basically, yeah. I mean, Johnny Davis is averaging what a double double or damn near close after last night. I'm, I'm wondering what that's that stat line's at now, too, in the for uh the Big Ten games with points and rebounds. But I just think collectively, overall, he's just a bet. Yeah, he just collectively has a more piece together right now. Ivy, if you want to do the argument about okay, who's the better athlete and whatnot. Maybe I'll give that to Ivy, I guess. But I just fit, I just think what, like, out of the two guys right now, what translates better in terms of their games? I would give the nod to Johnny personally, but um, just because he can, you know, he can fill up the stat sheet too, especially if he's not contributing necessarily on the scoreboard. He's finding ways to get rebounds. He's finding ways to, you know, get scrappy and like do do some of the dirty work as well, which is probably what he's going to have to do when he gets to the league too. So. Johnny Davis averages more rebounds than Zach Eady. There you Johnny go. Davis is, <laughs> Johnny Davis is fifth in the Big Ten in rebounding. He averages 8.3 rebounds a game in addition to his 20.3 points. And he leads the NCAA in most points for his ranked opponents. Um, so I'm going to say 90s. Johnny Davis for kind of a little bit different reason. Um, Ivy's going to be a point guard, right? And there's a lot of superstar power at the point guard position. And I just don't see Ivy as the kind of guy that can play the off guard. He just doesn't have that game where Johnny Davis can handle the ball. Um, he can be an off ball guy. You could take him off the screen and shoot some threes with him. He can go to the rack and finish. Um, Davis uh, game has more versatility in my opinion right now. Um, you add in the fact that he plays defense and he rebounds like we're all bringing up and that just adds to his profile. Not that Ivy can't become a decent rebounder and a, a playmaker and maybe even a defender. I mean, look at John Morant. That guy is averaging, like, what, almost six rebounds and almost seven assists. He's, he's averaging, what, 26, 27 points. He's a superstar. Yeah. Um, Ivy could turn into that. I don't know. But Johnny Davis legitimately feels like a 25-5 and five guy with one-and-a-half steals. And I'll take that every day of the week. Um, I've, I've been comparing him for – like three weeks now that if he puts a little bit more muscle on that he's, he profiles very similar to Dwayne Wade. Yeah, he does. He does. He really does. Um, he has a little bit better touch from three than Wade did coming into the league, Yeah, but he doesn't have as good a touch from mid range. My opinion, not that he doesn't have a mid range, but Dwayne Wade was freaking lethal from the mid range, dude. His, his turn fade on the baseline. You knew it was coming. It was still going in. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, he's still, yeah. Dwayne Wade was nasty from the mid range. Um, if Johnny Davis gets to that point with his body control and ability to finish, whoa, watch out. Uh, but that's a very, very good question. Not to say that I don't think Ivy's going to turn into a good player because he is. The other thing um, with, with Johnny Davis in the NBA that kind of got to take with a grain of salt is that when Johnny Davis walks onto an NCAA floor, everybody knows he's the best player on the floor. When Johnny Davis walks into the NBA, he's not going to have – three, four, five guys looking at him every time he touches the ball. Dude, that actually is working into my next point because I wanted to talk about how Purdue was defending him because they were really just sticking to him, man. All eyes were on him. 
But I thought the ball movement was, oh my God, supreme. That is the best ball movement I've seen all freaking year. That goes into the point of Mikey saying that this was the best game from the bench. That's because everybody was moving. Everybody was touching. Everybody was involved. And that's the kind of stuff that we like to see. That's, you know, you go back to the Bucs last year. That's when we've seen the best Bucks teams. When everybody's moving, everybody's touching moving the ball, around, cutting. Yeah. You set better screens when you touch the ball. You cut to the rim harder when you t- you think you can get the ball. I mean, you just keep everybody engaged and involved. That's just the, the stuff that you need. And all that does is open everything up for everybody else it, too. It does, mm-hmm. and especially like the Bucks are really good at this when they do it with Giannis and Middleton, yeah. where Middleton will start. On like if, if my hands are the three point line, like Middleton will start over here. He'll run all the way around the baseline. Giannis will set a screen for him on the block, and everybody's watching Chris Middleton because he's just running in a giant circle, and then nobody sees that Giannis is going to get a wide open alley oop because everybody's looking at Chris Middleton. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helps that you have to guard a guy like Bobby Portis, who now apparently has eight three pointers in a game. Yeah. He does do that. That helps. <laughs> that helps. I will say. Um, do you guys want to say anything else about the Purdue game specifically before I ask you guys a few questions and then Jake and I do our power pair? Um, I just want to say, I think that the Badgers not ability to not turn the ball over is just something that is just special. Um, you know, we talk about it with Aaron Rodgers. He never turns the damn ball over and it's, it's magical to see the Badgers ability to just always get quality shots and take care of the basketball and their ability to to defend, you know, they, they're all in this on defense. It's like they're attached yes. at the hands, you know. Right. So they take care of the ball. They get quality shots, and they defend together. That gives them a shot against everybody. And they, That's why and they we defend think without exactly. fouling. The fact that they can defend without fouling is, a, oh, is an art. I did look it up the first game. Uh, Vote, Crowell, and Tyler Wall all followed out of that game. They did. Oh, all of them. Man. All this is me. I'm the smart guy. <laughs> I knew it was either on the brink or, yeah, both followed up. But... I thought the centers just followed up. I thought Wall yeah. survived, but Wall um, had five fouls. That's what the box did you hear? <laughs> did you hear the announcer after Chucky made his bank shot? No, what did he say? LePay? He goes, oh, it's a glass factory. Or the no. ESPN error. <laughs> that was the ESPN. Or Benetti. No, no, no. My favorite line from the game was when Wall kind of got stuck in the posting as Edie, and he was like, He's trying to work around Edie. That's a $20 fare ticket. I was like, Jesus Christ. It is because he's massive. <laughs> that was my favorite one. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So I have three questions that I want to ask you guys. One I kind of touched on a little bit is, one, do you think there are too many whistles in college basketball? Yes. <laughs> I, I think so, personally. I mean, any given day, day of the week, I mean, every team that's like kind of on the losing side of it – the fan base typically, you know, does like to express their opinions about the rest, whatever. That's totally fine. But I think, you know, there are times when, you know, refs do control the game, unfortunately. I think there's definitely been a couple um, examples of Badger games this year where both teams have gotten to, like, the double bonus with, like, 10 to 12 Seven minutes to go in the game. And, you know, that's after a while. It's just like, what what the hell are we doing The here? Illinois game was like that for me. And – uh, yeah. was, like every time Coburn touched the ball, if he didn't score, he got fouled. Like I think my notes from that game, like it was like seven straight possessions where if he didn't score, that he got a foul call. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like eleven and a half minutes that there was double bonus. So it's like, okay, cool. So we lost this game because Illinois is going to shoot thirty-five free throws, 
And if you don't, you know, you try to play a little conservative, he's just going to score on you because he's 7'3". Yeah. yeah, and he weighs 370,000 pounds yeah. compared so it's to like, our okay. freaking string bean I, center. So I, you know, <laughs> right after that happened, it's like, okay, well, I feel like this game's over already because he's either going to score or get fouled. Yeah. yeah. They actually I called him just... for Edie last night where yeah. he was posting up and they called they called a foul like right before he got the ball. I was like, are you serious, bro? This guy's laying on me. He's heavy, okay? What the hell do you expect? I'm not I'm not going to push him. He's huge. Like, what do you expect Crowell to do in that situation, ref? Like, come on, man. That's some BS. That's how I feel. It's just, it's stupid. You got to be able to push the guy. <laughs> I I don't want to say – I guess it comes down to the officiating crew <laughs> of, of what they're seeing right away from, like, the start of the game. But, I mean, collectively, yeah. I mean, I think it has become – it is becoming more of an issue, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's – it's a grain of salt because I take it with a grain of salt at some point too, because I don't know, each crew has their own agenda, has their own way of like how they deal yeah. with things. And it's just, it's a game by game basis, I guess it's, that's a tough, it's a tough question to answer collectively overall, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I think the whistle does get blown a little more than it, it should, but you know, it comes down to the whole officiating crew that's doing it too in my book. Um, for me, it's it usually comes down to like the last say two minutes or so after the Purdue game. The Badgers are now fifteen and one in games decided by six or less. Fifteen and one. They've had sixteen games decided by six or less points, and they've won fifteen of them. That is, that's just absurd to me. Uh, but all those won fifteen in games... a row, by the way, fifteen in a row. <laughs> yeah, they lost their first one. Fifteen Providence. W's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of that, you know. The last few minutes end up being so crucial. It's the last two or three minutes. Just blow the whistle, just a smidge less. Let it be more about the players. I've I've asked this of the NBA as well. When it comes down to the last, you know, the crunch time, the clutch time, the last two to three to five minutes, just blow the whistle. Just just take ten percent off your whistle. I'm with that because that's what I want to see. I want to see guys go at each other. And if you're not gonna call that foul on Ivy. Let's go at it, baby. Let, yeah. Hey, mano y mano, pound for pound. I want to see who's better. I don't want the refs bailing anybody out because mm-hmm. that's weak to me. Yeah, it cheapens the product, honestly, is what it does. Yeah, I agree. Um, Brad brought up that he's hard to ref because he's big and strong like Shaq. It's it's a, basically a thing where when his arms are this far above everybody else's arms, you see like jerky movement a lot more. So when Ivy gets an offensive rebound and you see his arm go like that, it's like, oh, he must have gotten hit. Because, you know, he's up here above everybody else. So you have a better view of what's happening to him. Or somebody hits his hand, you're going to see all that stuff where if a smaller guy grabs a rebound and he brings it down and then there's a scrum, you're going to get a jump ball more often than you're going to get a foul. I mean, Edie does a really great job when he grabs a rebound and not bringing the ball down. That's, That's one thing that he's he's very well coached on. He's seven four, so he's grabbing that ball. He's staying right here. So if he gets fouled, you see it. The thing about and I think he's referring to Coburn, by the way. But Coburn, he's he is hard to ref, man. He's just so big, and you got to give him some calls because he's gonna get hit. But you got to allow the defender to push him a little bit, in my opinion. When it's that's how I when feel. it's a seven footer on a seven footer, like let's like that's like we were just saying, like let some stuff go, let him play a little bit. 
Yeah, maybe I want to see two giant dudes run into each other. <laughs> maybe I signed up for yeah. that. <laughs> Let Purdue and Illinois go ahead, and then we'll just take the winner. All right, I don't want to play both of them in the tournament. In the well, hey, we're only a week away. Next next yeah. Wednesday is when the tourney starts. I'm yeah. torn. I'm torn if I want to play Michigan State or not because they are reeling. I don't. I do not. They figured it out, and I do not. I want to Michigan avoid or it. Michigan State. Michigan State. Because they didn't they get their breaks beaten off last night at Michigan? Yes. He Michigan, like I don't know if I want to play Michigan right now. I don't want to play Bro, Michigan. you see him going at Izzo, bro? I don't want to see Hutchison no. with his stuff figured out. Yeah. I mean, Iowa's gotten way better. Um, <sighs> although I would like to play Iowa. I'd be okay with Iowa. That'd be a good game. I, I do feel not, like the would win that I one. Do I do not fear Iowa one bit, no matter how good they are. Put Luca Garza back on that team. I don't necessarily. I just don't respect Iowa in their. Don't. <coughs> I'm sorry, Curtis. Curtis, I love you. <laughs> I just Iowa. Just they're super irrelevant to me in my book. Fran, the Franimal, he hasn't collectively won anything for them. A big no Big Ten yeah. hasn't made a Sweet Sixteen in his yeah. life. Like. Yeah. Iowa has is just irrelevant to me in college basketball overall. We kind of we kind of need to cheer for Iowa though. I know. Oh, I know. I know. But that's just yeah. Just just get that point out there real quick. All right. Yeah. So my next question kind of ties into the beginning of this game. Johnny Davis was doing a lot of facilitating early in this game. Um, it took I think it was like seven minutes into the game before he even attempted a shot, and it was one that he forced. Because um, yeah, you could tell, yeah, you could tell that he wanted to shot shoot the ball because he hadn't shot. Yeah. Um, so. In your mind, how can Johnny Davis combat double and sometimes triple teams? Jake, you want uh, just just move the ball. I mean, you got you got to take what the defense is giving you, right? So when he forces a bad three point shot, I kind of looked at it and I'm just like, bro, you're better than that. Um, that goes back to coaching. Get him on the block. If you want to double him there, it's a lot easier. You're going to get an open three pointer. But that also goes on the other players, right? It goes to coaching and the other players. You got to knock down shots. You know, we mentioned Tyler Wall only has six threes, but when he hit that three, you know, and they, they talked about it on the TV, you know, the color commentator. I think it was Robbie Hummel, actually, a former Purdue player. Yep. And he was – he stayed in the middle very well, in my opinion. You I know agree. he was cheering for Purdue deep down, yeah. but he stayed <laughs> in the middle very well. Um, he talked about it that that changed the psyche of Purdue and Edie because he had to move out and go get him. Mm-hmm. So if guys like Hepburn and Wall – and, you know, Crowell always hits timely threes. We talk about that a million times. Now, if those guys can continue to make shots, I mean, that's the, only, that's the only thing really that's going to take away from the double and triple teams. And if you really want to be shocked, look at the box score from this Purdue game and then go look at the net, the one from the last time. Holy shit. That's all I'm going to say. Holy shit. It's crazy. <laughs> all right, I'm going to pose my last question and then I'm going to go look it up. Who is the Badgers' most clutch player? Oof. I mean, there you go. You could, you could. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead and try to pick one. Should we just pick one separate player each and just? <laughs> I know it's still Johnny. It's yeah. still Johnny. He, He's he got. Kept... I mean, he got a half of the year. If we're if we're gonna be honest, I mean, we basically put everything on him the first yeah. half. Overall, the first half of the year, especially. The ball was put in Johnny's hands, and he got us out of a lot of, you know, sticky situations. So, um, you know, overall, obviously, a lot of the other role players are uh, um, 
chipping in now and it's awesome to see, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, the conference player of the year, it's your best player, player, national player, national of the year. player it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's Johnny Davis. And you put some yeah. respect on that boy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I like Brad's pick a wall because that's the only other person I was thinking of because yeah. Chucky really didn't start becoming clutch until last night. Okay. None but of these are bad picks. <laughs> he, he, he's, right. he's had some big shots, but it, it's Johnny. Oh, my dad says, oh. yo, it's, oh, you're not excited to see your kid? Huh? Just yonder? <laughs> oh, Pat. That's crazy, man. I'm disowned. That's all right. Whatever. I'm just here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm glad that somebody else said wall. We know what Chucky just did last night and the way that his confidence, you can see it in him, has just skyrocketed. Like, he's got the confidence of a junior or senior in him at this point. You can see it when he scores. Um. I also just want to throw out, you know, if, if we're in a situation where we're up by a couple points, the other team's fouling, who do you want to get the ball to? As the ball handler? Yeah. If, you, if the other team's going to foul, who do you want to get the ball to? Okay, Honestly, Brad yeah. Davison. I made Brad a Davison. Okay, it's a mis- I made a mistake, okay? <laughs> so there could be a case for Brad Davison. Yeah. Personally. No, just at the free throw line. I don't want him free freaking shooting. Right. <laughs> So, I also want to throw out there, what, maybe a thousand times since the beginning of this season? How many times have we said that Stephen Crowell has made a timely basket? Bro, he does it all the time. He does it like four times a damn game. (laughs) Man. (laughs) I'm pretty sure his free throw percentage is like in the high 80% range, too. I know he hasn't shot many overall, but... That's a dude that I wouldn't mind sending to the free throw line either at the end of the game. Should he, dude, you know. But he missed last night, right? Stephen Crowell, he Think knocked down threes at the Brad most did. crucial Oh, Brad, times. yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, I can't wrap my head around how Stephen Crowell always scores at the best possible time. Yeah. That was wild. And again, that was over 80. Well, it wasn't exactly over him, I don't think, it, but like. Edie was bodied up against him, so that, it was a tough, you know, angle. To he put made that one. In and, he made one in the lane, and he made a three-pointer yeah. last night. Yeah, that was nuts. To <laughs> you say could, the least. So, and, yeah, the way that it goes around, and you could make the case for all five of the starters for being the Badgers' most clutch player. Mm-hmm. Easy. That's why I wanted to call it. Everyone's thirty-six shined. of forty-five. Thirty-six of forty-five from the free throw line. So he's eighty percent. 80%. That's, okay. It's pretty solid for a big man. I'm oh, okay with yeah, it. Yeah, it is. But we've, we've seen what the benefit of it is for the Bucks when Brooke Lopez is playing. Because True. you can't hack a shack him. Right. Shit. After last night and the last co- and a couple games this year, Giannis is starting to become a problem from the free throw line, dude. Oh, you're getting Seriously. ahead of me, big boy. Oh, Seriously, slow down. Man. Let's do our Badgers power pair before we get into the <laughs> All right, buddy. All right. All right. Badgers power pair. Give me your two, Jake, because I guarantee you I have at least one different. Uh, I have Johnny Davis and Chucky Hepburn. All right. Why? Uh, well, Johnny Davis is always the best player on our team, and he's always the leading scorer, and he always leads us. And Chucky Hepburn was just consistent, good. He took care of the ball. He scored well this week. Um, he's just, honestly, he made six of ten three-pointers this week. So he's shooting great from behind the arc, shooting great from the field. He's, 
I love Chucky Hepburn. I don't want to have a love <laughs> fest on here, but he's becoming my favorite player. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward. This is obviously way in the future, but I'm looking forward to next year's Badgers primer and having Chucky Hepburn and Steven Crowell running the pick and roll. Yes. Dad, you have to have two. It's called a power pair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that would be my, that would be my power pair, pair as well, Johnny and Chucky. I mean – it's unreal how much Chuck Chucky has grown up, especially these last three games. If we want to do just just do a simple, you know, breakdown of that, just very recently, uh, he got us out of a lot of situations as well at Rutgers specifically, and obviously last night as well. Um, I said it earlier; I have no problem going to him if we need a bucket, if we need a shot. Um, you know, obviously when in situations where even when the shot clock does go down, even though it hasn't that much for this team this year, which is very surprising compared to years past. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that, you know, can get a, a shot up for us if need be, whether that's in the post or on the top of the key. That's like, I think that's like a huge difference from like what a guy like Demetri Trice was doing, whereas he was just chucking from the top of the key for the most part when the shot clock went down. Whereas Chucky can get to like his get to certain spots and like get good. He can get baseline a little bit too. Yeah, correct. So um that's why in those types of situations, I do feel comfortable, you know, with him putting up those types of shots. And Jake said it before with Johnny's just being Johnny, it's just been an, a pleasure just watching hit him this year. And um, you know, it's gonna suck after he goes to the league after one really, really solid year with us, but I'm you know, he got us a Big Ten championship, and, you know, that's – you know, I hope he brings us a natty too, but dad, he couldn't really bring us much no. more after that. So, If he brings us a natty, he can go to the league. I'll oh, be fine. <laughs> so, the other thing with Chucky, uh, Brad has my power pair. I have Chucky, Hepburn, and Tyler Wall. Um, I left Johnny Davis off just for basically two reasons, just to give some credit to some other guys because mm. it's like Giannis with the Bucks. He's the MVP of the team, so you expect to hear his name often. And he's, his field goal percentage was a little iffy this week. Um, with Chucky Hepburn, the other thing that he did really well is he played really well when he got into foul trouble. Um, he had four fouls last night, and he had three fouls against Rutgers. So Chucky Hepburn, when he needed to be extra disciplined and not take fouls, he was able to do that. So that's a credit to his defense to not go and get that fourth foul, that fifth foul. Um. And then Tyler Wall. So between Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall, they both averaged 15 points in these two games. Tyler Wall in the two games, 15 points, five and a half rebounds, three and a half steals. He had two steals in the Rutgers game and five steals in the Purdue game. And his field goal percentage, the two games, he was 12 of 19, 63.2% from the field. That's pretty nice. Tyler Wall, like I said, all these guys are scoring, and Tyler Wall is scoring everywhere in between. So True. I had Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn. So not a bad. Uh, one. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about the Badgers before we uh, bid Mike adieu and start talking about the Bucks? Uh, next week is going to be fun. Uh, we got to preview the Big Ten tournament. Uh, maybe see our road to the Big Ten tournament title, and then uh, we might have a more clear picture on the NCAA tournament. Um, so I'm excited about that. Mikey, try to bring as many people as you can in here. Uh, we're going to do I a little, tur- little tournament thing here. Yep. Uh, just remind them yep. that last place takes a pie to the face. That's right. Yeah. Rules, hey, so. man, I'll be ready. 
God forbid. I'll I'll be ready to go for that. Everybody, Mikey, you're, everybody you're automatically in there, nothing. by the way. Everybody yeah. in the middle gets nothing, but first and last, those are the two places. Yes, yes. Everybody in the middle just gets to watch somebody win yep. and somebody <laughs> take a pie. So, yep. <laughs> but yeah. All right. I'm going to address something real quick here. All right. I think, and this is more, I, I don't know who I'm happy for most I, for, for in terms of this program <laughs> overall with the batters. Excuse but me. I do think, you know, everyone gets their piece of the pie or whatever. But Greg Gard, I don't think people understand how much Greg Gard has been through leading up to this season. This is two Big Ten titles in the last three years, okay? Let's think about what has happened during that time. One of our be- best players at the time decides to leave during the season, right? Okay, whatever. We still you know, win the Big Ten, all right? If we have an NCAA tournament that year, I think we get close to a Final Four because we were on like a 10-game winning streak, yeah. whatever. All right, season over. Come in next year, high expectations, right? We don't have that great of the year. What happens? We get this tape leak that comes out with all these players just, you know, you know, barking at the coach for, you know, for God knows what. There's obviously stuff going on beyond the scenes. You got uh, an assistant coach who is literally coming after this dude's job in the middle Wisconsin of Wisconsin legend, by the way. Alondo Tucker, leading might be the leading scorer. I forget, whatever. Legend, like you said. All right. Mm-hmm. After all of this, Greg Gard has found a way to put a winning basketball team on the floor and not only win the Big Ten, but has the chance to win it outright on Sunday. The Greg Gard slander needs to go. That's yeah. It needs to go out yep. the window now. I am sick and tired of you know so many people calling this guy guy out. There is no need for that anymore at this point. What else do you want from this guy? I'm I mean, sorry, I do not consider us a blue blooder by any means. We're not. I would love to win a natty, but this is you cannot ask for much more at this point, especially for a guy who is following in the footsteps of Bo Ryan and. He didn't get the job like by inter- inter- like going through the whole interviewing process. Okay, mm-hmm. obviously Bo knew this guy was ready for the job, and he's lit. Okay, there's no excuses anymore. These are now Greg Gard's recruits. Okay, there's stuff going back to when like Nigel Hayes and Bronson were still playing for Greg. Oh yeah, that doesn't count. That's not Greg's guys. Those are Bo's guys. Well, you know, last, guess what? These last three years, these have been Greg Gard's guys. We have two Big Ten championships playing against some of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. I just, my point being, Greg Gard slander needs to go. It is, needs to be gone. We literally, we've also shown that we can bring in a guy like Johnny Davis into this program and turn him into an NBA player through development. Check yep. pick. Okay. Yep. That's another thing. That was another thing about this program. Oh yeah. We can't bring in any five-star recruits or anything like that. Cause we can't prepare him from the league. Well, Go yeah. Well, now look it's at a bunch of hogwash. Can, now it's a bunch of hogwash. So and, you know, sorry for going off, but I want to make a point on this. Podcast. I want to <laughs> add one more thing before we say goodbye to you. With that point too, this doesn't affect Greg Gard as much, but I guarantee you it affected him as one of his main assistants being in a really, really, really bad car crash that claimed yeah. what two of his family members. Correct. Wife and, and one of your main assistants. Yeah, gone for all the whole season. 
Yeah. yeah. Forgot to bring that up. That's, but, that's uh, what opened the door for Orlando Tucker. Play. Yeah. It's to be one of his assistants last year. You can't yeah. tell me no one else has gone through like more like with these past three seasons and have this success that we and have it, had. And not even just to have the success, but to exceed the expectations. By a we lamp. all we all had them as a 19 or 20 win team. Yeah. And we were being a little bit homerish, let's be honest. I mean, they're yeah. fini- they were I said 11th seed. I said 20 wins and 11th seed. I'm pretty sure when I was at the beginning of the year. I don't year, remember if I picked a seed, but I, I had them yeah. at 19 wins. Here's the one thing that you got to add, too, is you got to add the degree of difficulty because the Big Ten has been looked at as, like, what, the best the best or second-best conference in the There's, nation the last couple of years. So The last two weeks, there could have been six teams ranked if Rutgers mm-hmm. had been given a little bit of credit for the run that they went on. Yeah, They're going to have been six Big Ten ranked teams. Out of and 25. <laughs> real quick, before before we go, I just want to point out that I've been saying it for three weeks that Nebraska was going to upset somebody, and they fucking did it. So You're right. Me. You Dude, it. Ohio State is playing bad. They lost to Maryland and Rutgers back – or uh, and Nebraska back-to-back. Back. That's bad. That yeah. is, they're going the wrong oh, way. And then Michigan and Michigan State – Iowa a little bit. They're all going this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, State. I mean, Indiana and, and uh, Ohio State, they'll still be in the tournament. Iowa will still be in the tournament. There's going to be a probably close to nine, ten teams. There might be. Yeah, might, there might be nine or ten. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse yeah, me. All right, Mikey. Well, when there's more Badger stuff to talk about, we'll definitely have you back. Hell yeah, yes, guys. Sir. Thanks again for having me on. Appreciate it. Go Bucky. Let's go get that Big Ten tournament championship to the Natty. We're All gonna right. have you on for the for the tournament episode, buddy. All right, sounds good, boys. All Thank right, you, better, Mike. Peace out, buddy. All right, so we're gonna switch from college to NBA. And if <sighs> I had to choose, like we have to talk about two games. If I had to choose between one shitty game and one good game to talk about, let's get the shitty one out of the way. So let's talk about the Nets game. Let's get it out of the way. All right. Ugh. I don't know where to start. There's just so much shit going on here. All right. So, you look at this next game, and you're trying to break it down, right? You're trying to be like, where did we lose? Where did we mess up? Uh, because, like I said earlier, everybody's beating the Nets except apparently the Bucks. Um, and this was the game that Bobby Portis decided to hit eight threes, and we wasted that for some reason. Uh, but it was awesome to watch Bobby go crazy. Uh, before I really dig into this, I want to mention something. I saw people kind of dogging Grayson Allen um, because he only yep. had seven points. All right. Let me tell you, this is why you dig into stuff, okay? Look at the plus minuses. Who had the highest plus minus on the Milwaukee Bucks? Grayson Allen. He was plus 20. Man, that's an analytics stat. I don't care. It tells a lot of stories. It It tells a lot of the game. Oh, I know. Trust me, I know. I'm an analytics guy. He made an impact on the floor, clearly. He was plus 20. You know, you look at a guy like Drew Holiday – Holiday has looked at one of the best players in the league. He had 19 points, five rebounds, seven assists. Um, he was seven and nine, one and two from three, but he had seven turnovers. Seven of our 15 total turnovers as a team. Yep. He had half of them. Um, mm. You dig into the free throws, right? As a team, mm. the Milwaukee Bucks were 25 of 38. That is garbage. That's that is garbage. Gross. That's gross. That's awful. Now, the next thing you dig into points in the paint. The Brooklyn Nets had 46 points in the paint to the Bucks' 36. The Bucks should not be losing points in the paint. 
We have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Then, the last thing that I want to point out. Well, one of the last things I want to point out. You, you look at offensive rebounds, and this will, this will definitely help when Brook is back because he's a great box-out guy. Yes, he is. The Bucks four offensive rebounds. The Nets, 12 offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. You, will, you miss free throws. You turn the ball over. You allow extra possessions. That's how you lose games to bad teams. And the Guess Nets what? without KD, who, by the way, KD is going to be back on Thursday oh, against yeah. the Heat. Um, you lose the Nets are bad without KD. Okay, I don't care if Ky- and Kyrie had a great game, thirty-eight five and five. He absolutely he's one of those guys, dude. When he gets cooking, he's cooking. Okay, you're not stopping him. But you know, you look at this game, you're looking at turnovers, free throws, all this stuff. It's just like, why the hell did we lose to them? <laughs> That's just how I felt. I I'm gonna double down on literally everything you just said, which was turnovers, <coughs> free throws, and offensive rebounds. Yep. So <clears throat> free throws. Bucks missed 13 free throws in a game you lose by three. Um, oh, fucking turnovers. Turnovers. The Bucks 14. You mentioned the seven by Drew Holiday. Brooklyn had seven total. And, oh, my God, this, uh, this is my least favorite stat. Points off of turnovers. Brooklyn had 27 points off turnovers. 27 points off of 14 turnovers. They scored almost every single time the Bucks turned the ball over. That, in a game you lost by three points. Yeah. So that, and then second chance points. So I have it. Um, Second chance points. I have it in here somewhere. Um, Brooklyn, 12 offensive rebounds. The Bucks did win the total rebounding battle, but like Jake mentioned, four offensive rebounds for Brooklyn's 12. Brooklyn, 19 second chance points. Yep. 19 second chance points and 27 points off of free throws or off of turnovers. That's 46 points. Subtract the 13 that you left on the board or off the board with the free throws, that is a 59-point advantage <coughs> that you gave Brooklyn by not doing shit you're supposed to do. All right, and what, what is that? 59 points! <clears throat> That's how you lose the bad teams, right? Holy hell! Yeah. You lost by three, and you spotted them 59 by not making free throws, turning the ball over, and not boxing out. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Holy hell! Yeah, that's bad. That's That's, that's... disgusting! Yeah. That's like as bad of basketball as you can play in a game that is there's a lot of athleticism and there's you know three point shooting and stuff's exciting to watch, but like take a page out of the Badgers book and play with some damn fundamentals. Yeah. God, that's what this, just, one, this that game definitely goes. I didn't holiday. add all that up. I didn't put all that together now until I just did it. But like I had it all separately, but that like I said, that 59-point number by just not doing what you're supposed to do, that's that's November shit, not yeah. stretch run. Yeah, so, not, yeah, I agree. Not so you mentioned, you mentioned Grayson Allen. Um, he was back. Yeah. He looked to be under a minutes restriction. He only played 22 minutes. Normally when guys are coming off injuries, they usually like to keep him around 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um 
DeAndre Bembry and Javon Carter made their debuts in this game. Um, talk about them a little more in the Hornets game. I got to say there are few guys in the NBA who can match Giannis for size, strength, and athleticism. Um, Bam Adebayo is one that comes to mind. Um, James Johnson is one of those guys. James Johnson is not hes not a gifted offensive player, but he is strong, he's big, and he's athletic. So that's, side, that's, yeah. that's, main, that's the main reason that Brooklyn went and got him is to have somebody to put on Giannis. Um, Bobby ran a little 6-0 run in 20 seconds. Um, The first quarter was good. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, Second quarter was, eh, was whatever. But um, Drew Holiday made a layup at the 948 mark in the second quarter. Six possessions in a row, both teams scored. (laughs) So a lot, a lot, a lot of back and forth um, in the first half. Bobby Portis had 14 and 8 at halftime. Giannis had 14 in the first half. And Chris Middleton had 11 in the first half. Second half, first three minutes of the third quarter, a lot more back and forth. And then from the 9-minute to 8-minute and 14-second mark, Brooklyn goes on an 8-0 run, ends up becoming a 12-0 run, and the Nets just keep on scoring. They just keep scoring and keep scoring and keep scoring. Kyrie and Curry are hitting threes. Drummond is scoring in the restricted circle. They ended up building a 13-point lead three times, and then Bobby Portis went another 8-0 run. So Bobby Portis scored a bunch in this game, but he did it in really big chunks, um, and it just couldn't get the Bucks over the top. Bucks cut the lead to five. Nash called a timeout. Chris Middleton scored seven points in the last minute and 17 seconds of the third quarter, cut the lead down to three, and then, you know, Brooklyn scored 43 points in the third quarter, but careless the careless turnovers just the ones where you're making passes to nobody you're just dribbling the ball like just literally just letting the ball fall out of your hands it happened to drew and it happened to Giannis. they're dribbling and the ball just jumps out of their hands yeah. it, you just can't do that that's they tied the game at 11 16 and 10 42 brooklyn pushed the lead back up to seven um, and then the missed free throws started happening. So we already talked <laughs> about that. Um, and then the end of the game, I think I saw something like the last two minutes of the game ended up taking like 30 minutes or something like that because of all the fouling. Um, because Brooklyn's up by three points. Why not foul and give the Bucks two points if they make their free throws, which they didn't anyways. Um, right. And you just keep trading two and two and two. You know, worst case scenario, we're up by one as long as you make free throws. So, um, Bobby Portis finished with 30 points, 12 rebounds, career high eight threes. Giannis 29, 14, and six. He was eight of 20 on field goals, was kind of okay. Um, Chris Middleton had a nice bounce back game, he was eight of 13, 25 points, three rebounds, seven assists. Um, and then Jake mentioned Drew Holiday was seven of nine and finished with 19 points. But, um, like I said. Those, those three things that you're supposed to do when you play basketball, which is to box out, make your free throws, and not turn the ball over. If you do those things at an average level, the Bucks win this game by 10. Yep. Easily. Yeah. Easily by 10. Well, I just wanted to say something. Um, you know, Giannis talked before the All-Star break about how – 
you know, because teams were kind of in all-star break mode that he want, they wanted to try to stack some W's. Well, then you come out of the all-star break and you know, like, Giannis has been in the league for a long time now. He's been a champion, uh, been an MVP. He, you know uh, he's our leader and you know it's go time. And to me, you know, at times on defense, they kind of just felt flat. Like they weren't competing as hard. And you look at the offensive rebounds, and that kind of tells that story where it kind of just seems like Brooklyn was just running a little bit harder on that night. And that kind of bothers me. I'm not going to lie. We're going to play a game against the Heat tonight, and the Heat never lack effort. And if you want to repeat as champions, they say it's harder to win the second championship than it is to win the first. And we know how damn hard they fought for that one, right? So if you want to make some noise. Giannis missed uh, two games of a hyperextended knee. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and I know that we're going to talk about this Hornets game. We're going to feel a lot better, especially yep. about Drew Holiday because he had a very, very nice bounce back game. Yep. But um, you gotta, we got six tough games in a row here. There's one little hiccup game where it's a little easier, but – we got a nice six-game stretch here. We're we're really gonna find some shit out about the Milwaukee. Dude, I I I wrote two articles about this last weekend. One was about Giannis's pre-performance or pre-All-Star break performance, and one was goals for the rest of the season. Giannis has now surpassed Jokic for player efficiency rating. He has a .13 better player efficiency rating, which is insane. Giannis, yeah. Jokic, and Embiid are currently this season the top three player efficiency ratings of all time. Yeah, that's insane. This season, three of them happening in the same season. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. So my thing was, if Giannis can can round this out the rest of this season, lead the Bucks to a great record, the Bucks have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA. Yeah. If the Bucs can, can run through this and come out with a lot of, of signature wins, I really believe that Giannis can win the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year again. He'd that be would the be first. insane. He'd be the first ever to do it twice. Yep. And if the Bucks can win another championship, we're gonna get into Giannis goat talk. Honestly, oh, if he wins that and we go back to back, and he's only twenty-seven, <laughs> you get ready. Get ready. I, oh my god, I'm. I don't know if I'll need to put it in a bonus episode or if I just need to make a graphic for it or do it on the show. If I have the Giannis and Kevin Garnett argument one more time, I'm going to break something. Maybe it'll be my phone. It's such a I, stupid argument. I know Giannis, what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. Hold on. I'm going to talk so you calm down because I don't want you to lose your shit. Listen, you just need to make a graphic with some totals and your opinions. And then every time that somebody says something, post that. That's the only comment you need to make. Otherwise, you're just wasting time. The problem is, is that the graphic for Kevin Garnett would be this big, and the graphic for Giannis would be like this big. And he's only 27. And he's only 27. He's only 27. That's one of the main things that Garnett has is longevity. Kevin Garnett played like 21 seasons. And when Giannis plays 21 seasons, he'll be a top five NBA scorer of all time. He'll be, he'll be close to probably top 10, top five in rebounds. He'll be up there in blocks. I mean, and he'll probably be up there in MVPs, maybe Defensive Player of the Years, maybe MVP, you know, championships. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows that the Bucks don't just win three straight titles? And Dude. we're going crazy over here, right? I mean, it's it's within the realm of possibility. So, you know, the people people that deal in absolutes so often, I would I would encourage you not to. 
And this is something that you can apply, not just to the way that you approach your fandom, but you apply this to your life too. You don't have to deal in a, in such an absolute to say that because the Bucks lost this game to the Nets, that they're not going to win anything this year, or the Bucks deserve to be a play-in team, or we're back to fire Budenholzer. or like, you don't have to go that extreme because of one loss. Like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I just rattled off three things that gave Brooklyn a 59-point advantage. But we're going to talk about this Hornets game in a second. And the Bucks balanced it all right back out. Well, you talk about absolutes in life, right? And then you wonder why nobody wants to talk politics anymore. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's... That's all I'm yeah, saying. that's another thing. But switching to the Hornets game, and it's funny that I used the word switching because that was not intentional because the Bucks need to stop doing it. And especially when they're playing against good point guards, they need to stop switching so much because they did it against Kyrie and he scored a shit ton of points. And then yeah, they started yeah, doing did. it in the Charlotte game and LaMelo Ball had 13 points in the first quarter. He, he made some tough threes, but... Stop switching so much when teams have good point guards. Dude, Ball was an all-star this year, you know. Yeah. Deservingly so. He kind of got snubbed at first. But Lamella Ball is a gamer, dude. He can ball. Yeah. No, pun not intended. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> so, Bucks were down 16-9, to went on a 10-0 run. Um, <clears throat> I was really surprised to see Charlotte defending Giannis with Plumlee instead of Harrell. That, to me, seemed like it was the kind of a move that they went to get a big man that could defend with some some dog in him. Yeah. And then they didn't even use him against Giannis. They, they stuck Plumlee on him for most of the game. I don't know and if it mattered either. But. I, oh, I brought up this. I wanted to be able to display this on the screen, but I didn't have a way to do it. Um, it was at one point in the game, Giannis catches the ball like the elbow extended. And mm-hmm. he drives. I'm just going to see if I can if I can show this. Okay, and he drives, and you can see that he's not driving to the basket. He is driving to the middle of the, the free-throw line circle. Uh-huh. And Plumlee does not recognize that. Giannis follows up this drive by spinning to the basket for a layup. Yeah, that was a beautiful move, by the way. It, why you're trying to defend Giannis with a slow center is beyond me. Well, every center slow compared to Giannis, let's be honest. Well, I mean, you, you throw Bam Adebayo out there. DeAndre Ayton should be able to defend Giannis better than he did in the finals. But um, other than that, I mean, like Anthony Davis is a center. No, no, I'm sorry. He, he plays center, but he, but hey, listen, there, there's levels, and Anthony Davis, hey, hey, he's a little light in the britches, you know, when when it comes to guarding Giannis, he ain't made for that life. He's he's got skill. <laughs> I won't lie, but he is not made to get thrown around, which I don't want to talk about that Charles Oakley thing, but I do because it's so freaking stupid. We'll do but. it. Let's let's finish talking about the Hornets game, and then we'll do it. <coughs> okay. um, the What I was very, very happy, the second quarter. So if you don't want to have to struggle with the third quarter, just end the game in the second quarter <laughs> would be my suggestion to you. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> so what the Bucks did, though, was they built and they grew a lead with Giannis on the bench. That is a huge thing 
do not lose that on this game. I don't care who they're playing. They're all professional basketball teams. I don't want to hear, well, it's the Hornets. They're a playing team. They grew a lead with their best player on the bench. I don't give a damn who you are and or who you're injured. playing. You grew a lead with your best player on the bench. Then your best player comes back in and the lead gets bigger. That is stretch run shit. Yeah. So that Brooklyn game is what not to do. The second quarter of this Bucks Hornets game, that is what you do. Fair. Um, that's that was the main thing that I wanted to hit on this was that you can tilt games that you know maybe an even matchup or an uphill game like the Bucks and Heat tonight. Mm-hmm. The the Heat are the one seed in the East right now. The Bucks are like somewhere in the four or five. It's all really muddy because it's all still like four games separating first and sixth. But um, you can tilt games that are even or uphill battles in your favor, and that is how you win games that you're supposed to win. Like Trailblazers game right before the right right before the All Star break, Giannis was out with that game, but still a game you should win. Doing things like that, that is how you win games. That's what you should be doing. Um, okay, the Bucks are four. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, Bucks in the second quarter, forty-four points. Charlotte twenty-one. That. Yep. That's just do just do what you did there. Um, Giannis still just has his court vision on full display. Um, just hitting open shooters in the corners, like when Pat <laughs> Connaughton's back. That's going to be him too. But Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis. Um, Javante yep. Carter, even uh, DeAndre Bembry, those two showed that they got a little bit to give. Um, and maybe people will calm down threes, on that. Dude, if, if Carter can hit any threes, he's going to be a nice backup guard. I'll be yeah. honest. He competes um, on defense. He does. That's why I was I was okay with the Bucks signing him. He's a two-time Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year when he was at West Virginia. Um, the Bucks kept pouring it on in the third quarter, and then it was basically it fourth quarter was just the reserves and you know um one thing i want to say that was pleased to see is sergi baka and wesley matthews only had to play 15 minutes each in this game that is key that is you get key. your vets you get your vets a it's almost like a maintenance game but they keep you know um you know they they get they get some run but they don't have to play too much you don't have to play 30 minutes or you know whatever um the last point that I want to make before we talk about the end of the game, the Bucks 44 points in the second quarter. The Hornets, 44 points in the second and third quarter combined. Yep. That's how you win games. Close yep. the book. 100%. All right. What do you want to say about this game before we talk about totals? And uh, well, the first thing I'm going to say is the cool stat from Giannis. Uh, All right. Do it up. Uh, he had uh, his fifth. 25 point, 15 rebound, five assist game in less than 30 minutes of game time. Um, no other player since 1980 has more than one. So that was his fifth game doing that. So, needless to say, uh, Giannis is good at basketball. That's <laughs> dude. That's why, like, I brought up the per 36 minute thing a couple weeks ago, and people were like, oh, it's only per 36 minutes. That's an advanced metric, whatever. It shouldn't be used to make an argument. Like, if you play three to five extra minutes in a game and you score a couple extra points and maybe like one extra rebound or something like that. Like how is it a credit that Giannis can do more in less time 
Like well, it's well, somehow just, somehow not a credit to him that he's more efficient. Just use use your stat that you talked about with Middleton. He scored seven points in the last two minutes, right? So if you a score minute, seven seventeen points, seconds, like that's minute yeah. seventeen. So if you score mm-hmm. seven points every final minute seventeen, that's not an advantage for you. Come on, that's like use and, and the, the fact that it can be measured into a level playing field. Like not every sport has the way that you can do that. Um, I mean, you can, but you have to use percentages and stuff. Per 36 minutes measures if everybody played the same amount of time. Yeah. They do the math for you. Yeah, that's literally the most even you can get. I mean, I don't understand the logic behind that and either. It, it shows you what players do if they play the same amount of time. Yep. And if, if somebody's stats are better in the same amount of time, that means they're a more efficient player, especially since Giannis is only averaging like 32 minutes a game. Yeah, so... So we gonna find the per thirty two next or what? <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like comparing him to somebody like like Embiid or or Luca who play like 35, 39 minutes a game. Like right. Giannis gets it done in three to five to seven less minutes a game. And when you really break it down, right, of over the totality of a season, that adds up to a lot of minutes. <laughs> Think about that, man. Seriously. Yeah. Five minutes over eighty-two games—that's shit ton, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying he play—he plays five less minutes on average, but it's probably pretty close, to be honest with you. I mean, the the fact that Giannis can be like top three in scoring, top fifteen in rebounds, top twenty in assists, and top ten in blocks, while yeah. being like fortieth in minutes, is insane. Yeah, dude, he doesn't even play three full quarters. <laughs> That's, that's what the per 36 minute is. It's, it would be yeah, three, four quarters. That's so stupid. He doesn't so... even play three quarters. It's so dumb. He's so good. God. And he's so efficient. Thank God he's a so... buck, dude. I'm so excited for the game <laughs> now. All this is doing is getting me excited to watch the game. I know. And we got I'm like an hour we did and a half last. before it starts yet. I know. Uh... Oh, I love that we're starting earlier, by the way. It's so much nice. Is it? Is it a 6 o'clock game or is it a 7 o'clock game? I think it's a 7 o'clock. Because it's okay. in Milwaukee. It's in Milwaukee. I thought it was a 7 o'clock. So... Yeah, it's in Milwaukee. It's in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's seven. So we still have an hour until game time. Um, all right, that's what I thought. But here, let me let me break this game down real quick. First of all, I wanted to point out, thank you, Drew Holiday, for not turning the ball over this game after you had seven. He did a much better job taking care of the ball. Um, he ended with 21-6-8, and eight, uh, seven to 15, five of eight from the three-point line. Um, James, I'm going to come at you in a sec here, buddy. I didn't forget about yesterday. I did not forget. Um Bobby Portis, another double-double, 20-10. and 10. This guy, hey, watch for it because my stat of the week is going to be Bobby Portis, month of February. He absolutely balled out. Um, he's going to be in my power pair again. I mean, the guy is just just going crazy. Um, Giannis, 26-16-6. Again, I told you the stat. Um, I wanted to uh, give Grayson Allen another shout-out. He ended with plus 22. Uh, back-to-back games being at least plus 20. I mean, that's the guy's on the floor and he's making plays. He's not He's not going to be your first option, second option, third option, fourth option, right? He's probably the fifth option on the floor if you really yep. break it down. So yep. him giving you 11 points, shooting, and playing hard-nosed defense, that's yep. all you ask for. The thing that made Dante expendable is that Grayson was a little bit better shooter and still give you that grit on defense, right? Yep. I love the Grayson Allen fit. Absolutely underrated move by John Horst. Let's Dude, that came out of nowhere too. That's it like did. that's a that's a wizard thing that 
John Horace is showing off why he's got an executive of the year award. Yeah, and he he traded for him, and you're just like, oh, wait, hold on, let me think about this. Like we second. just we got Grayson Allen for Sam then, Merrill and two second round picks, and then extended and, him for two years, ten million. And Dante was coming off an injury, and he shoots better than Dante, and he handles better than Dante. I'm thinking like, God damn, John, you went crazy, <laughs> dude. That's, I mean, yeah. That's a that's an example of a championship team getting better. Here's here's the next part. So I wrote down points in the paint just like I did for the last game and mm-hmm. offensive rebounds. So the Bucks still had 36 points in the paint, but they held Charlotte to 34. Much better. Then you look at offensive rebounds. Charlotte had 10. <laughs> the Bucks had 17. Bro, the Bucks had 62 rebounds in this game. Yes. 17 <laughs> of them were offensive. That is insane. They finished 32 of 37 on free throws, so they shot much better. Um I'm Overall, willing to bet was... that Budenholzer probably screamed at them in practice. They probably oh, did yeah. nothing but fucking free throw drills in practice. Oh yeah. So I wanted to use one of your terms, and you said a get right game. That's exactly what this was. Everybody, you know, people shot well, people played well. The plus minuses were right. We shot, we did free throws right. We we were more aggressive. Massive rebounding advantage. I mean, they just. Everybody touched the ball. I mean, they shot the bell, ball pretty well. They had 18 three-pointers in this game um, on 45 attempts. So 18 out of 45, I'll take that. You're going to win a lot of games hitting 18 threes, to be honest yeah. with you. Yep. Um, really the, turnovers, the turnovers is okay. 13 turnovers yeah. on an average, 13 turnovers you can, is good. You can that's live on 13. Top 10. Yeah, that's if, top you're, 10. If, if you're getting 25 assists and you're in half of them, you're 2 to 1 on the turnover ratio, yep. I'll live with that, especially yep, if you're shooting that. the ball well. Um, but this was just a much better offensive game. All right. So before we do the power pair, let's let's discuss let's discuss the Charles Oakley and then Isaiah Thomas comments. Um well Charles Oakley sounds like a jealous old man, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Um like, dude, you really think you stop at Giannis? Like, Isaiah Thomas literally said it perfect. Like, he's bigger than you. He's faster than you. He's stronger than you. He jumps higher than you. Like, dude, Charles, give it up, bro. Like, he, he you made one all-star <laughs> game your entire freaking career, you, bro. You want me to drop the mic on this conversation? I do. I do. <laughs> Charles Oakley made his Giannis would come off the bench prediction as a guest on a podcast. Isaiah Thomas made his Giannis would still be an MVP candidate in the 80s and 90s from NBA TV. Yeah. That pretty much tells you where their careers are. There's levels. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Charles Oakley ain't on Giannis's level. I'll tell you that right Not now. Not even close. Oakley's ass might have been out of the league if Giannis was an option. <laughs> so Isaiah Thomas compared Giannis to Ralph Sampson, who ended up having a bunch of injuries and didn't really get to find out what he was. But he, he was a big man that could handle the ball and play defense. Um, Isaiah Thomas also mentioned Hakeem Olajuwon. And I, I get that people might not want to accept it, but Giannis is in that category of player. Like Giannis doesn't have the, the footwork that Hakeem Olajuwon had, but Giannis has... He's, he's developing the post fade a little bit. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon was like elite. If you add in the Euro step, I right. don't 
I'll give him some footwork. That's tough. Think well, about going through to, yeah. the paint. You got to maneuver. I'm just saying. Devil's so, advocate. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but you add in the fact that Giannis can, he can put the ball on the floor. Giannis can pass. Giannis is showing off his court vision. He's, he really has been. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with he's also a defender. Hakeem Olajuwon was also a defender. There's three people to ever have MVP and, and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. It's Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Giannis. Yep. Giannis is on that level. He really is. And it's this is something Jake said a few weeks ago. I don't remember. I think it was when we were talking about Giannis, to be honest with you. It's hard to recognize greatness while you're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might not like it, but Giannis is already on the level of these all-time great players. That's why he's already number eighteen in the NBA seventy-five rating. Dude, he's only eight years into his career, bro. He could have twice twenty-seven eight, years old. He could have eight more and double everything. I was that just he's gonna done. say he could double everything that he's already done. Think about that. He's in like I would say like the third year of a six-year prime. I would say a prime is probably about six years. I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd give him till about thirty-two for a prime for a guy that relies on his athleticism a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe it'll be interesting to see, you know, five years from now what Giannis does to evolve his game in the next, you know, if he, what if he, he does can with develop the next that turnaround, that post fade, bro, he'll last just fine, he'll dude. Just if fine. he listen, all right, let's say this. <coughs> Let's say at 33 that Giannis stops bringing the ball up the floor and he just plays as a post-up player and a defender and a rebounder. Yeah. You know what that makes him? Kevin Garnett. Ha! <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Full circle, baby. Yeah. He just did a comedy stand-up. Full circle. Kevin Garnett's not bringing the ball up the floor. He's not Euro-stepping around people. Like Kevin Garnett had a little bit of mid range, but he's not, he, he doesn't do anything better than Giannis does. Like Giannis doesn't have a rebounding championship, but Giannis spends a lot of time out on the perimeter defending guards. He does one thing better. He talks shit. He talks well, hella shit. I don't know if anybody's on Kevin Garnett's level when it comes he to that. Ah, uh, Gary Payton, maybe. Maybe. Gary Payton, maybe. But he got laughed at by Michael Jordan, so now it's kind of over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So give me – you already mentioned one of them. Give me your Bucks power pair. I'm guessing we have the same two, so I'll just take the other one. Yeah. Uh, you want me to do Bobby or Giannis? <laughs> <laughs> Those are also the two I had. You mentioned yeah. Bobby, so give me your Bobby stats and then throw out the one that you're going to use for your stat of the week. Um, so I'm not going to give the stat of the week yet because I'm going to make a – Oh, are you going to save it? I'm going to make a sick-ass post for it. Uh, but I'm going to say this. Bobby Portis averaged a double-double, uh, 25 and 11. Um, he shot 56% from the field, and he ended up shooting 57% from the three-point line, <laughs> yep. 12 of 21. This guy yep. is legitimately, like, it, it sounds crazy, but his growth as a three-point shooter is greater than Brooke Lopez. Yep. And Brooke Lopez Easily. is still a very good shooter. But Bobby Portis is a freaking sniper. Dude, he, dude seriously. He, he's been working with the lethal shooter people for two years, and yeah. you can tell. <laughs> Bro, sometimes, like, so at the beginning of the year, he was just, like, pulling up, like, contested threes, and I was like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Bobby, you made some threes last year, but chill out, bro. 
He pulls that knot. I'm just like, bro, that's got to go in, bro. I feel, I feel like with Bobby and when Pat Connaughton are healthy, we have two legit snipers for contested threes. And I feel and confident can, with them shooting You can that. throw Grayson Allen into that mix. And I'm not mentioning Chris Middleton because that guy is just a straight-up shot maker. Yeah. Not just threes, but he's mid-range. Yeah, yep. He's just a straight-up shot maker. And Holiday, when he's on, he could do that too. But, with yeah, you can mention Grayson Allen, but, dude, when Bobby and Pat are on the floor, dude, and they kick it out to him, even if you close out a good closeout, I'm like, bro, they're going to make this. Like, <laughs> I feel good yeah. about it, you know? Dude, that's why That's why for a good while I was bringing up the, the, the Bobby Portis secondary transition. Yeah. When like Bobby Portis will purposely just stand in the paint on the defensive end for three seconds, even though we've already got the rebound and gone up the floor, yeah, just so that everybody else is focusing on what's going on with the ball handler, and Bobby Portis just walks into a wide open three at the top of the, the key. As the defense, you got to just be like, "Shit, <laughs> yeah, we forgot about <laughs> Bobby." Know? Like Big Eyes is down there, and we left him there. Uh, Giannis is getting guarded by four people going into the lane. Bobby wide open yeah, on top. Yeah, and then and then you <laughs> finally see Bobby, and then Giannis is throwing oops to himself off the backboard. Sheesh. I don't understand. Uh, the Bucks are built for the playoffs. I'll say that. This roster is made for the playoffs, and Brooke is back at practice. So, yep. And Pat should be coming back in a pretty soon. Probably a couple here. weeks, yeah. Um, but, yeah, once this, once this roster starts, you know, rounding out and getting back to totality here – Whoo, baby! Um, the Nets and Bucks is gonna be freaking fire for the second year in a row. That uh, is, gonna I want to play the Bulls crazy. too. Oh, I do too, and I want to play the Celtics now because James thinks they have a chance. And I'll tell you what: there's at least six teams in the East that would smash the Celtics in the playoffs. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. The Heat, in a, the in Bulls, a seven game series, yeah. Heat, Bulls, Bucks, Cavs, Nets, Nets. Sixers. That's six right there. Dude, the Sixers would absolutely wipe the floor. And I don't even like James Harden, but he looks real good for the Sixers. I'm just saying. That's I mean, early yet. All he has uh, to do is get a screen from Embiid, who's gigantic, and sends really good screens, and throw it down to Embiid, who is going to finish because he's leading the NBA in scoring. It's pretty easy for James Harden. <laughs> yeah. I would be a little more concerned about Philly if they had been able to keep Seth Curry. Yeah, they're a little that's... they're a little tapped on shooters, and now they're going to be relying on Danny Green, who, after the Lakers won the bubble championship, has just vanished off the face of the earth as far as three point shooting is concerned. That's fair. And then they're looking at Jordis Niang and Ferkman Korkmaz. As Korkmaz their snipers. can get hot, but Niang, he's a. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I can't think of another word. But either of douche, those, he's a douche either guy. of those guys, <laughs> I'm not excited about having to rely on in the playoffs. Yeah, they're definitely not no Bobby Portis or Pat Connaughton. I'll tell you that freaking much. Right. <laughs> to me, in that situation, they end up kind of what Bryn Forbes was for the Bucks last year, where you know he could come in and you know flamethrow a little bit, but you know it gets to a point where in the playoffs you're just going to be exploited. That's fair. I mean, I still don't think the Celtics are making any noise, but I, I mean, let's be all right. Listen. If I had to rank the teams I want to play, I want to play the Nets because people are still chirping about last year. I want to beat the hell out of them. Um, and then the second team I want to play is the Bulls. And Bulls the third team, I want, the third team I want to play is the Sixers. Easily, I just want to shut all those big cities up, dude. I'm with that. I'm 100 percent with that. All right. So the other the other guy that we 
had for the power pair Jake and I had the same two as Giannis. Um, yeah. In the two games, 27 and a half points, 15 rebounds, six assists. His field goal percentage was okay. Um, Giannis at the free throw line in the yes, two sir. games, 26 yeah. for 30. Yeah. 86.7%. Could you imagine Giannis as an 85% free throw shooter? I don't know. Ask the Suns. We got the title. <laughs> wow. 14 for 14 against the Hornets. And like I mentioned, his player efficiency rating is now 0.13 above Jokic. That was basically the main sticking point for Jokic being MVP. Mm-hmm. Like his second one was Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray being injured, but the main thing for Jokic was his player efficiency rating. That was the main, you know, the main thing. So yep. if Giannis can already leap Jokic as an MVP candidate, and Bead is the only other guy that he's looking at, and he just needs to beat him in scoring. Because like I wrote about it, I just wrote about it. I got the notebook right here. Giannis is there's four statistics where Giannis could be career highs. He's currently averaging a career high in assists. If he stays above six assists, that'll be a career high for him. Mm-hmm. His scoring, his highest career scoring is 29.5. He's at 29.3 right now. His three-point percentage, he's currently at a career high. And what's the last one? Player efficiency rating. He's currently on pace to break his own all-time record. No, so if he can <laughs> if he can be those four things, those career highs, the scoring assists, three-point percentage, and player efficiency rating. During the hardest remaining stretch in basketball, I don't see how you can't give Giannis the MVP. I mean, we go through these next six games. Say the Bucks go 5-1 and one, and Giannis just absolutely dominates. There would be no doubt in my mind that he'd be the leader in the MVP ladder after that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be – the only thing that's really going to come down to in my mind – Obviously, he needs to do the performance part of it, but um, he's just got to stay active. You can't have Giannis sitting games out. If he ends up sitting like three, four, or five games out, then he's just not going to win it because he's only going to end up with like 60 games played. Yeah. So, the best ability is availability, right? We know that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we uh, wrap up and then turn our eyes to the Bucks and Heat? No, man, I, uh, well, I hope they win tonight, obviously. And I hope they just absolutely just bounce the Bulls out of the building. But that Suns game is going to be interesting. Sunday primetime, that'll be a big-time game. Yeah, no Chris Paul, which is a bummer for the Suns. Like, you want to beat teams when they're at their best. And obviously, we've said it a thousand times on the show, you don't cheer for injuries. But, yeah. I mean, if the Bucks can get a confidence-building win, don't think that. I think Isaac just said that Booker had COVID too, so Booker might be. Yeah, Booker's too. in the protocols. Yeah. yeah well, that's we'll, is that four? Gonna, I don't know if that's four or five days away. If he tests negative, it's he Sunday. Might be able to play. Sunday, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, either way, day, he might have to miss that one. Either way, if they beat the Heat and the Bulls, that would definitely help us to you know jump up some seeds in the East and kind of yep. shut everybody up. Yeah, maybe calm some people down because, like I said. <laughs> Just excuse me. Don't just don't do the absolutes thing. Like you don't you don't have to. You don't have to be that way with your with your sports teams or with your life. Yeah, for real. You just just I'm just trying to potentially keep some negativity out of your life. 
Just calm down a little bit. Oh, God. All right, I'm going to say it, man. All right, so I wanted to tell a story. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, so we ordered from KFC today, right? My girlfriend was really craving some KFC. And, you know, I grabbed the food from the Uber and all this, all this stuff, right? And I opened the boxes and stuff. And I opened one box, and it's like, you know, the box. It's like this big, right? Open the box. has one damn chicken tender in it. Have you ever ordered one chicken tender? No. Bro, she's like, yeah, they had an option. So I ordered one chicken tender. I'm like, bro, for three bucks? I'm going to... I almost lost my shit, dude. One chicken tender, three bucks. Probably three bucks just to put it in the damn box. I was so pissed, bro. And she didn't even eat the whole damn thing because it ain't cooking enough. Oh, my God, bro. I said, you just ruined my chicken tender. I didn't even finish my chicken tender. I was so pissed off. Anyways, that that might be the most random story that I've heard in my entire dude, life. Dude, I'm sorry. It's in the back of my freaking mind, and I'm just like, dude, it costs $3 dude, for one ordered chicken one, tender. We ordered KFC, and she ordered one chicken tender. One chicken tender. It was 3 bucks, dude. Did it come with a biscuit at least? No, I got the biscuit with my meal, but she ate my biscuit because she wanted a biscuit. But anyways, because I'm a nice guy. But, dude, $3 for a chicken tender. That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. I just had to tell you that story because it was in the back of my mind. And to warn everybody not to order one chicken tender because it's too expensive. This world's going to shit. One chicken tender costs as much as a gallon of gas in this state. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. Um, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I agree with uh, with Tyler, man. Just keep the negativity out of your life. I mean, just being in sports groups in general, honestly – has really, really uh, changed my perspective on a lot of things because people really just they get personal too quick and it can get ugly, man. Look at what's happening. I don't want to get political, but look what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and shit. All this stuff is happening. It's just stupid, man. Look at all the racism stuff that's happening. Listen, man, we're, we're, we're all people, right, at the end of the day. And we do this show to talk about sports and just enjoy life and – Let's just all just get along, man. That's all so, I want. You know, that's the thing, too, is like like James, for example. James is a Saints, Celtics. Um, Red Sox. Red Sox. And he's a Predators fan, so I have that in common with him. But yeah, like, he watches our show even though he's not a fan of any of the same teams as we are. Right, man. Which we appreciate. That's love. And, <laughs> and you know, with that. There's, there's, you know, there's trash talk. People like to trash talk. It's fun. You know, you can say, oh, we're going to beat the brakes off of you or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, and I've, I'm thankfully lucky to have had this, is that when I've been at live sporting events, if I'm next to a rival teammate or a fan of a rival team, that at the end of the game, you can shake hands and say good game and, you know, want that person to get home safely. I've never been at a point where I've been at a sporting event and it's like, I want to get in a fist fight with that guy or I hope they have a flat tire when they get to their car or something like that. So, you know, I can have the discussions with some people, but like, I want it to be about the content and not about me versus you. I agree. That's, that's the type of sports discussion that I appreciate. And that's hopefully the type of discussion that Jake and I emulate when we talk on the show. Listen, man, yeah, and uh, I probably give off the energy of talking shit a lot more than Tyler does. Tyler's a little bit more reserved. Tyler, Tyler's uh, more clever than me. He'll find, he'll find ways to kind of 
go around you and then really just stick you where I'm kind of just like in your face. And I'm just like, yeah, I hate your team. They suck. You know, I mean, I can come up with arguments and I can, I can be clever at times, but that's just not my tactic. But at the end of the day, we're all people, you know, and that goes for athletes too. You know, I want to talk, talk on their part too. I really hate it when people get personal with athletes. Like, oh, this guy sucks. I hate him. Oh, screw his wife. Oh, blah. Chill out, dude. There's still people. That's still somebody's brother, wife. You know, I mean, come on. Let's just, let's all chill. Let's all get along. I mean, I don't like Respect any Chicago the two-way teams, street, so. Yeah, I don't like the Bulls. I don't like the Bears. But I'm not about to sit here and, like, wish hell on people who like the Bulls and the Bears. It is what it is, man, at the end of the day. Um, I just felt really spiritual when Tyler was talking, so I wanted to kind of emulate that same energy. That inspired and, uh, you to tell a story about one chicken tender? That's your takeaway from me. Tell me, <laughs> excuse me. Tell me that's not ridiculous though. Three dollars for a goddamn one chicken I, tender? Are you? Serious? I'm in the middle of trying to have a heart to heart with people about not being so negative when they're talking about their teams. And Jake's like, "Bro, I got to tell you the story about this one chicken tender that CC ordered." Dude, I thought about it the entire podcast because I'm pissed. It cost me three dollars for a fucking chicken. I'm fucking. I'm annoyed. I'm so annoyed right now, dude. I, I feel a little bad for anybody that listened all the way to the end of this this show. No, I don't feel bad at all. I'm trying to help you save some money. Don't order one chicken tender. Dude, it costs $5 for five of them. So just get five, okay? Be normal. I have leftovers for tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm saying, okay? Or just don't order KFC because it's really not that good, honestly. It's but, okay. You're likely to get better better chicken from small businesses. Which, if you want to go all the way full circle, a good place to get food from a small business, Parker Johns. Oh boy, keep stuff hey, from Parker Johns. We have to uh, we have to check out that Oshkosh location, man. My dad was just there on Sunday. He came over to my house and he told me that it's really really sick, but it's really busy right now. Which I bet might, it is. <laughs> might be a good idea, you know, for a live episode. I'm just saying. I don't know if they're gonna let us in there on a Friday night. <coughs> we got to do Keel. We got. I think we're gonna do. We're gonna try to do our live mock draft show again. Um, we're gonna try to do that one live in person. We're gonna try to do that one in Keel. So sometime in April. All right, man. Yeah. All right. Let's get uh, some uh, get some snacks and get ready for the Bucks game. Not chicken tenders, though. <laughs> not you. Not chicken tender. Y'all, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. See you next week. All right. Peace out, buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.